soon as we go live, five seconds. Now, Josh was just telling me about how he's going to start his own cult. Yes, and- <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, everything else just seems like fucking work to me. So, yeah, starting your own cult if you can pull it off. The key is to not take it too far. Don't get too crazy. You know, I don't know if I have that ability, though, man. Right. I'm sitting here wearing, you know, black metal T-shirts and, you know, listening to, to crazy ass music. I don't I think taking it too far is, is kind of in my nature. You still driving the muscle car? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, every day, man. All about muscle cars. You all muscle car plus in this traffic still drives a manual. Yeah. That's gangster. Yeah, six speed. It's, that's your method of your number one method of transportation. If you're driving a man, respect, you drive a manual <laughs> transmission in fucking Orange County. You're still in Orange County? No, 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 no. I've been out of Orange County for a while. Where you at uh, now? Uh, I was in downtown for a while, Ooh. and then uh, now like I live in fucking, Hollywood. Like a vampire. Kind Downtown's of. Also <laughs> getting a lot of extra sparring in, you know, with hobos and knives and stuff no. like that. Oh, uh, were you in like the bad area of downtown? Is there? Well, you know what? Here's the thing about the bad area of downtown. It doesn't stay in the bad area of downtown. <laughs> That's so true. You know, it's uh, it's like, oh, well, this is a really nice. Oh, we got our quaint little lofts and la di da. It's like, <sighs> by the way, you see that schizophrenic crackhead? He's gonna fuck your shit up. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like Hancock he... Park. <laughs> you know where Hancock Park yeah. is? Hancock Park is fucking amazing. It's like one of the most beautiful sections of LA. But you can go two blocks down, you got gang graffiti. Yeah. Like like two blocks down, you're in some sketchy area. Like as soon as you get out and you start going east further, like you get some fucking sketchy neighborhoods within a mile of these like 1920s mansions of old Hollywood money. I mean, those things are incredible. Right. And to me, it's just like, wow, it's the most fantastic tourist guide ever. Like, hey, come to L.A. You might get fucked or you might not. Please roll the dice. Let's see how this works out. Yeah, if you want to walk through downtown L.A., you could you could take a wrong turn mm-hmm. and be in a Walking Dead episode. You could be just strolling down 7th. Everything's looking great. You're passing uh, you know, 7 Grand and uh, Malo and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, oh, shit, where the hell am I? That guy's got a tent, but I don't really think he's camping. Yeah, people who think that their downtown is fucked up, you don't even know what fucked up is. You need to see Skid Row. Like, people who don't see... I've shown people Skid Row, and they go, that's not real. I go, yeah, no, that's real. It looks, it looks fake as fuck. It looks like an episode of The Walking Dead. Now, the first time I drove through it, and there was, like, some... And I'm seeing all these just people just, just milling about. And it must have been later in the night. Like, not super late, but getting to probably 6 or 7. or it's Because at some point... There, there's this mission or something down there, and it's got this gated courtyard. And at some point, they closed that gate, and there was just people inside the courtyard, and there were people outside of the courtyard that were just like clamoring to get into this thing. And it was just insanity. I go, fuck, man, this is straight out of like some sort of Dawn of the Dead. What so is the gate you? like you? If you get in by a certain amount of time, you're you, locked you in for the night. You can stay in there, yeah, I guess. Whatever. Holy shit. So, like, some people, like, they got to get away from the crazy people on the street. I guess. Or they'll, they'll probably get someplace to sleep and eat and what have you, you know, and, you know, it's tell weird. each other psalms. Isn't it weird that we look at people like that and we'll go, yeah, you're, you're a loser. Like, all you people, we're not going to help you. There's well, too and many see, of you. It's, it's easy to, to do that because to look at the situation on a, on a far more complex level, you know, looking for what all the, the issues that can write into this. I mean, a majority of these people are probably mental health you know, issues. Patients, sure. So yeah. they're, they're crazy to simplify it. And then they get into these, you know, the, let's say drugs come into play or other things. I mean, they just, they need help, right? Yeah. And there are some people there that may, maybe they are just total fucking down and outers that they just, 
gave up on life in one way or another or got hooked on something or hooked on something else. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's too e- it's it's much easier for people to just look at it as like these guys are losers, there's losers of the system and we're, I'm I'm some sort of a winner. But I mean, they in in a way some of these people are born losers then, I guess, because they didn't get to choose to be born with schizophrenia or any of these other sort of things. Yeah, abusive and, childhoods. There's a, a yeah, whole host of factors that plays into someone being like that, but it's weird how we get to, someone gets to a certain age, like you're 35 and you're mm-hmm. a homeless person. Sorry, dude, can't help you. If you're like yeah. 10. If you're 10 on the street and you're homeless, <laughs> we're like, oh, come on, buddy. Like, you're a little help scamp. This little guy. You're a little scamp. Who, yeah, who's just, who's, his parents left him and he didn't have any food. And he's, he's got a really cute newsboy cap. It yeah. just seems so scrappy. You know, I think I'd like to make him my sidekick. And we're going to travel around the world. travels with him everywhere. <laughs> yeah. and he's got a bag on the end of a stick. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that bindle, man. He's been places. That what? was the move that they had. Here's This is real. We're looking at video right now on yeah, YouTube. City, What's yeah. the name of this video? Uh, I just pulled up like Skid Row. It says homeless <clears> on yeah. Skid Row in Los Angeles, all in caps. And it's fucking crazy. It's a... A whole series of homemade tents that these people have put together. They've created these like little apartments, little structures, mm-hmm. and they're on the street. And there's, I mean, this is a pretty good video of it. Just it shows you how weird it is. But it's way crazier at night. Well, it's even. It's this just shows you we're just looking down one street. Yeah, we're only I'm, looking at like a few structures. It's like a a, a little square radius yeah. of of streets that encapsulate this 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 area and. You know, I mean, some people are like, well, oh, yeah, it's not really that dangerous. I'm like, well, I guess it really depends on the person. I Personally, I wouldn't stroll around down there. I feel like I'll be all right, but why increase my likelihood yeah. of having some sort of issue, especially if somebody is literally crazy? It's it's really not a matter of whether they're a jerk or whatever. It's just they're operating in an unstable, irrational way. So there's yeah. no way to... Uh, to negotiate that very no well. No way to negotiate it. No way to even know if it's going to happen. Right. And when someone's completely bonkers, is this some guy doing it on his bike? Yeah, he's running his <laughs> bike through it. Whoa, that dude's got skills. He's got some bike skills. But he's got he's pegs on the front shit? of his bike. Yeah, he does. See? What is a peg? Should, oh, the bunny pegs in the front. So maybe he could have, he could pick up a guy, like grab one homeless dude, See that put him shit? on the front, the and then does they that could go his, like With a steering around. wheel? That's, is that not impressive? That handlebar thing he just did? Yeah. That shit's incredible. Bart. It's just, it's not incredible? No, I was going to say, I can't do it, but. But is that like a standard move? Josh Barnett, do you know uh, how to ride a bike? You know, I do know how to ride a bicycle. Probably not to the like level that. of this guy. Like um, he keeps doing that. Flipping the bar around. That's fucking, that's pretty wild. It's uh, it's like having a fidget spinner. <laughs> Except if you fuck it up, you're falling down. <laughs> you're just eating shit and losing teeth. Yeah, I don't ride bikes much. Like that, bam. That shit's incredible. He's using it to camera edit, too. It's actually it yeah. good. sure is. Wow. Wee. <laughs> oh, that's pretty slick. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting dynamic and then it's not a simple situation to solve either, right? You know, it's like some people would would easily just look at it like, "Oh, just get rid of them." It's like, "Well, yeah. you can't just do that with somebody." I mean, well, that's not also, the way to do it. Is there a way to reprogram someone? I think it who I forget who who the quote was by. Uh, some famous dude, Frederick Douglass, but he said it's uh, it's much easier to raise good children than to repair broken men. I can believe that. Yeah, you know we have it's it's always harder to take a fighter with a bunch of bad habits and try to cure them of that or reestablish new good habits than it is to just start off teaching them something 
correct from the from the fucking get-go yeah you always see that for whatever reason with kicking technique with kicking technique like a lot of guys that come from like bad backgrounds mm -hmm. they have a really hard time like maybe karate to muay thai mm -hmm. real hard time transitioning over and like i would see it even in taekwondo guys who came from a karate background didn't understand the importance of raising the knee up above the hip it's like when things got weird they couldn't pick their knee up for certain kids well, and it, it also i guess it would depend a lot on the style of karate so like yeah. one of my guys shohei yamamoto is a he's a junior world champion in kyokushin he was the youngest ever to compete in the world open weight tournament at 18 years old wow and uh and he was like 190 pounds when he did it 180 and 18 years old just fighting holy shit you know like your glover Teixeiras and guys like that yeah, Kyokushin's crazy, too, when you watch those guys punch full blast of the body, but kick to the head, like not yeah. punching to the face. I, I don't know what, where that really came about necessarily, but yeah, yeah, you can kick him full on in the face, knee him in the face, crazy things like that, but don't don't throw a punch to the face. But, you know uh, what it's like? But his kicks are pretty awesome. It's like the next level of Taekwondo. It's like Taekwondo, they said you couldn't punch to the face, mm -hmm. but you could kick above the waist. And mm -hmm. Kyokushin was like, how about we kick the legs, too? And elbow. And elbow. And like, and okay, knee. okay. Yeah, so you know, it's better. I, uh, plus, it's, a, it doesn't get stopped as much. Even right. though Taekwondo is supposed to be continuous, uh, like Olympic style. Guys off, clinch. Yeah, yeah, they clinch or a point gets scored and the ref will kind of, uh, you know, there's always these little breaks that seem to happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I always feel like for little kids especially, what's really good about Taekwondo is the same thing that's really good about gymnastics. And even like yes. cheerleading. Body control yeah. and flexibility. And yeah, there's all Break kinds dancers. of great right i think taekwondo can be really great for that as well yeah i think a lot of if you're going to do taekwondo or really any a lot of these traditional martial arts it really de depends on that teacher that yeah. makes that makes it or breaks it i mean you could have like some old uh taekyun like gnarly old korean dude who is going to teach you how to punch the face and throw people and all kinds of stuff but maybe gear your competition training towards the rule set that's allowable but or you could just have some dude that just wants you to flip around and scream to get your points, <laughs> which is the most right. ridiculous. It's almost up there with like flopping in soccer. It's dude, like flopping in soccer has hit some new levels lately. People, <laughs> they, they know that I think it's hilarious. So some dude sent me one and the guy doesn't even get hit. The other guy like throws his hand back. It doesn't even come near him. And the guy launches himself through the air, writhing on the ground. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I've never seen anything like it. What is it that, how, how does one graduate <laughs> to that position you know here I'm, I'm out here i'm playing a sport at, at let's say the highest level and i'm competing against incredible other incredible athletes and we train our asses off and we develop all these skill sets and we get so good at handling a ball with our feet and not even for foot fetish stuff but <laughs> but just to play this game and I'm going to now concede in such a, like completely destroy all the toughness, all the grit, all the work, all the, all the things that I've developed mentally to, to be able to run and, and kick and do all this stuff and build up all, all these wind sprints. And then I'm just going to see a guy swat his hand at me and then I'm going to fling myself <laughs> on the ground and scream bloody murder. They, they flap like fish. I don't they get it. They flop around the ground and twist and writhe in agony. <laughs> There has, there's like a mental disconnect that has to happen. Like you must just like, I'm going to bitch myself out right now. I'm going to completely just destroy every element of toughness within me. I think they're just willing to do anything to get some sort of an advantage. And I don't know what, I don't understand soccer. I don't know the rules. So I don't know what kind of an advantage you would get if you penalty fouled. shots, penalty shot. Yeah. So you would get like pretty close to the goal. Yeah. They get to, they get to take a shot on goal or something That's like that. That's pretty sweet. It is. That's I worth just, too I, much. Personally, I just couldn't much. do it.
couldn't do it? I think it's worth too much. I think uh, what you got to do is if somebody does foul you, if somebody like actually fouls you, that guy just gets removed and they bring in a new player. Like it seems pretty simple. Like this. Well, yeah, yeah. Kick. Reduce the uh, the element there in in terms of what what the reward yeah, the is for the risk. Yeah. Or or you see people flopping, like penalize them. Right, a hundred percent. Yeah, that guy's he, for a year. Yeah, you're slowing the game down, and you're making us look like shit. So yeah. stop. Your people are talking about you on podcasts, bro. It's not good. <laughs> you're, people they're, don't they're watch soccer. Us. Yeah. They have no idea what happened in that game. That might that game might have been for the championship of the world between the two greatest teams of all time. I don't know about that. Nah, I just know that dude flopping around. We, we saw what that. Flop. At, Jamie? Referee flopped on this video. <laughs> a referee flop? Get the fuck out of here. Do they call it flopping, or are we making that no, up? it's called flopping. They call it flopping? They, in soccer, they actually call it taking a dive. Oh. Taking a dive. Interesting. All right, all right. Oh. The, uh, oh, no way. Right. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm back it up a little bit. That is hilarious. Are you kidding? The re- Oh, my God. But watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, I'm so hurt. Oh, God. And the guy standing right there, that's He's the thing. Grabbing, you know, the ref has to just... Which knee did he grab? Did he grab the he right grabbed knee his right the left foot. knee? Oh, now, now they flop out of the Did he land on his right? Did he land on his right knee? Okay, that guy might have blown his knee out. Hold on, go back to the ref. Because the ref might have blown his knee out. Because I'm, I'm looking at the way he falls. Like, watch the... Not this guy. The next guy. That guy. I'll wait for it to play. Here, watch this. Oh, nah. No. He's no. standing around, then he just he leaps onto the ground. One more time. Oh, and he starts grabbing his shin. No, I think he's grabbing his knee. Nah, he's he might grabbing be a his bullshit shin. artist. He's fucking yeah. bullshit. I he mean, look at these guys. Weird, this guy though. flops out of a huddle. That's ridiculous. It, there's, he, it's almost as if these guys are so, so okay, attuned that... to any touch that once they feel it, they immediately yeah. just they dive, they fall down, they cry. But that it, was just a guy tripping. If it's in that box, that's where you get the penalty shot, and that can literally change the whole game because oh. you just need one goal. Oh, so people just oh, he didn't fall even touch him. When they he get just fell there. on his own right next to him. Oh, so they just try to fall down <laughs> and get hurt. Oh, that's hilarious. So what's that? The guy just stopped, and the other guy used him as like a tripping mechanism. Because if you can get the right card, you can get a guy taken out of the game, and then you're at a huge advantage for the rest of the game. <clears throat> like if you could manipulate a ref and the in an MMA fight, which you kind of can, I suppose, but like you can't get the other guy just DQ'd all the time. There's definitely rules for that. And here you just got to trick a guy. Did you see that? It's like there, there's like a, a, an understood of like, yeah, we're we're fucking with the game right now. We're pretending to be hurt all the time. <laughs> this is hilarious. What is the name of this video, Jamie? This is just like best flops or funny dives of 2017. These 2017 just, funny yeah, this, dives this and year. simulation. That's just this year. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, see, some of them, they're exaggerating. This is not the best edit because some of these guys are just getting tripped. I mean, they're just falling. Like, that guy's just falling. Like, this is a stupid edit. But these are also the best athletes of all time. Like, they shouldn't right. be just falling. Oh, okay. I see you know what, what you're saying there. Yeah, but people fall, you know? Yeah, they do. I mean, the other ones, there's so many of these that are <laughs> so, like that. That shit is so ridiculous. Look. Oh, my God. I can't take it. I mean, that shit is so funny. It's like there's a culture of falling. And pretending you're hurt. There's a little. They could be. I mean, I, I don't know if they really are because it probably takes away from their uh, stature as an athlete. But getting in these videos where you're just getting shown all over the internet well, again and I, again. I, and honestly, again. a couple of these were, were guys doing goofy stuff and then laughing about it as like, yeah. ha 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 ha. Like this yeah. is just what we do. We pretend to be hurt all the time. And yeah. so it's some sort of an accepted culture. With oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> the guy just falls down. It's accepted within 
the culture of playing the game as, as much as I can understand. Now, that guy taking a dive made sense because he saw the other dude rolling. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, these guys just touched faces and then fell to the ground like they got hit with meteors. <laughs> like, 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 like there's snipers out there just, just in the audience just oh, picking them off. It's so crazy. Right. They just fall down like in agony. Oh, look at this guy. He's like, look at this guy just falling down. What are you doing? You're doing that thing. <laughs> Stop doing that. God, it's uh, they have to revamp the rules. Yeah, clearly. The NBA, they, f uh, they started fining people that were doing it, but I think they sort of cut back on the fines. They tried to make it monetarily not a good thing to do. But I know Ian you know I mean? Edwards loves soccer, and I love Ian, and he's trying to get me to do a soccer companion. But I feel like about soccer, what I do about, like, speaking Latin. Like, it's just some shit that's just <laughs> left over from a long-ass time ago. It's probably good learn. if we still remember how to do it. <laughs> So we don't we don't want to not know what Latin is and like how what the word we don't want to get so confused that we think this is like some forgotten language. Sure, key, but uh, especially since it's within all of our yeah. uh, scientific uh, texts and all that. But, but that Latin, shit's nonsense, right? La Latin, yeah, that's nonsense. I would rather learn Latin <laughs> than learn how to flop, how to how to fake injuries. <laughs> I, I just I don't know about that. But you respect uh, an actual skillful soccer player. Those guys are awesome athletes. Yeah, that's amazing. actually what 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 makes it so. Uh, Disappointing is yeah. that I know how good those dudes are. I right. know that they must be super talented and great, very skillful and in great shape. To then take to to get yourself to that level, to, to let's say elite level right. at your sport, at your skill set. Did you ever then... see Aldo? <laughs> Who? Jose? Jose Aldo play soccer? Oh, I'm not surprised. Amazing. Yeah, I bet. Like professional level. Do you think he would flop? Nope. <laughs> you know, I, I, so. I cannot see that happening. I don't think so. That's probably what held him back. <laughs> <laughs> it's too busy throwing low kicks at the, yeah. instead of instead of kicking the ball. He's just chopping people's legs out from under him. Yeah, there's some video of him playing and moving around, and he's fucking really good. Which where's Aldo? Actually, he did a, that ball flip. That was him doing the ball flip. Oh there. yeah, yeah. Watch this. Look that's at that. A really, that's uh, one of the best players in the world. He did it against Neymar. Now, do you think they're just playing and having a good time yeah, here? Yeah, it's a charity match. So right. Just sticking around. But still, look at this. I don't think... He's just like, okay. And the other guy's <laughs> like, look, I ain't running for real, dude. I have actual <laughs> games to play. I'm not blowing out my ACL, like, trying not to get punked by an MMA fighter. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, you can have this moment. But I've seen videos of him practicing and playing. He's like, like a real professional soccer player. You're looking at him, you're like, wow. Yeah, it didn't surprise me in the least. Oh, is that Jose? Yeah, he Jose he's, just he's kicking three pointers in, or he's trying at least. Hey, <laughs> fuck, that would never happen for me. <laughs> never. I, I played like little intramural soccer in college for a second, just like these pickup games with all the international kids. I just thought it'd be a good way to get in shape. I didn't know really much about playing soccer, so aren't you too big? Uh, I don't know if there's really a too big but From moving uh, around that much. Well, there's also the not good enough. There's that <laughs> that part too. When these when these dudes from like Scotland and Argentina and all over who would play like all their like AAA leagues and stuff. I mean, I'm out there playing defense and I could hustle and I had quick feet and I wasn't movable, so that was kind of good. But uh, you know, at one point, uh, they my team kept trying to get it uh, get an opportunity for me to score on goal, and I'm like. 
no, no, quit. You know, I it got good enough to dribble and pass it away a little bit. Don't fucking ask me to kick this thing. It's never going to go where I want it to. And, you know, it's just careening off everywhere. And plus, this dude from Argentina was just all over me every single time. I'm like, everyone else is like, oh, it'd be funny if he could be great if he could get a shot. And this guy's like, fuck that. I'm going to fucking, I'm on him like stink on shit. Like, Am ah. I wrong in thinking that there's like a build that would excel at football, which yeah, is like I your think build? So. I could think so. And then I would think that soccer would require because you run so much. I, I would think tall and lanky would be good for soccer or even maybe just a uh, long leg, short torso. Yeah, but that messy guy is like really small, right? That He's could just be good like too. Super fast, just being very and, quick. Yeah, just being very quick and very agile, and being able. But I was just thinking tall, because then you could more headers, more body up up top. Let me ask you this: as a proponent of violence, <laughs> why? How come rugby never took off here? That seems to me to be the real sport. Ah, uh, you know, I don't really know why. I think because American football is American football. Maybe maybe that's why. It seems kind of stupid in a way because you have a helmet on yeah. and pads and you're running into each other. And we already know that that's not a good idea. It isn't. It actually makes it uh, way worse, worse. Right? You can Unless hit harder. They've figured out some new technology, which I know they're working on some impact sure. resistant helmets mm -hmm. and things that, which that kind of changes everything. If they do that and they get it to the point where guys can collide heads and actually be okay. I don't know. I don't really think that. I, I just. They're, they can get these these helmets that are going to take the impact uh, and reduce it and all that. But I just, once you're a 300-pound dude running a 4.7, smashing into uh, another 300-pound dude, I just don't, God. you know, it's just like I, I would get in the arguments with the, uh, with the, like these kids at, uh, at the University of Montana rugby team, like, hey, you should come out and play rugby. You should play rugby. I'm like, no, I, I want to fight. And, you know, rugby seems fun and all that, but, and, oh, what's, did you play football? Yeah, I played football. Oh, this is way tougher. I go, uh, hold on. Uh, you, the pool you're drawn from, I'm sure there's some good athletes. The pool we were drawn from when I'm going to University of Washington football camp and when I'm playing against, you know, nationally ranked teams like O'Day, you, this is different. Yeah. The, who they're drawn from is a much, much bigger pool. The stakes for them are much, much bigger than you and your college team floating around and then drinking beers after your games. This yeah. is not like that. This is a different story. Yeah, especially someone that has a potential NFL career and they're like super focused. You know, if you look at the some of the super athletes that you get that enter the NFL today, the, just the mm -hmm. sheer size and speed that these guys have. And it, it's only so much of that can be genetics. You've got like some serious training involved. Sure. And dedication. Yes. Like, they know how much money's involved. Exactly. And there are people that are grooming these athletes yeah. from a super young age to, to meet these requirements. And so I was like, look, rugby is super awesome. It's tough. It's a great sport. I like rugby league way better than rugby union because union's got all the scrumming and all that. It slows What's down. What's the difference? League is seven tackles, I believe. That's all you get? That's all you get. But you, you, it's constant. You're constantly moving up the field. What if you go more than seven? Like what you, if you, you don't. Get... Wait, if, once you hit seven, you have to drop the ball and then it, it changes over. Oh. But it moves super fast and it's very aggressive and it's just, you know, con it's like watching people play wishbone the whole time. They're just constantly taking each other down. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, they're hitting, boom, this tackle happens, and they're going to try and shuttle the ball back to their other teammate, then shove, shove the ball down the line again and keep it moving until they can finally break through. Yeah, I mean, Whereas watching the other one, to me, it slows down way too much, so I don't really enjoy it, which, you know, that's kind of the argument with American football is that it slows down. And to me, I'm like, American football is like watching two armies go at it. Mm-hmm. 
you set you have your 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 skirmish you regroup you skirmish again you regroup you skirmish again and by the end of the, all these skirmishes the war is either is won or lost by this team yeah now, that's the way i look at it but uh well you know that was what it was designed to sort of placate people from. well that's all games are designed yeah. to be a diminishing aspect of war but american football in particular was mm. actually literally like systematically designed like we know the time that it happened there's a whole radio lab podcast on oh okay that. it's pretty fascinating man and about how they they ran into problems when they let american <laughs> indians play with white kids oh yeah <laughs> The natives are just fucking all the white kids up. <laughs> they had some brutal ass games. The natives did. They had Fuck some yeah, gnarly did. shit. Did they eat their hearts? Was that, was that kind of part what, of the problem? I don't know what the problem was, but uh, it was an issue. It was <laughs> I a, dig it. It was an issue. It's, I would I would have loved, you know, I had uh, Steve Rinella on recently, and he was talking about the guys who um, killed Custer and Little Bighorn, mm -hmm. and one of these guys was just this massive guy. What is his name? Maul? Is that they called him? Gall. Gall. And he went on to uh, I think I read that do book. those wild it was, bill. It was, a, it was a Conan book, right? It was no, Robbie that's Howard. Cull. <laughs> Cull the Conqueror you're yeah. thinking of, right? But this guy was apparently just massive. And I, mean, I would have loved to have like, seen that with my own eyes, like what it looks like to be like a direct lineage of warrior culture. Like if that guy was living in the 1800s, like he is directly from the original Native Americans that came here from Siberia, you know, whatever, thousands and thousands of years ago. That would be something. Fuck, yeah. Uh, Chief Seattle, which my fucking phone don't work, fuck it. Uh, he had some quote about being at a football game at the University of Washington. He was, And I can't, for the life of me, remember exactly how it goes. But it was just like, oh, saw a lot of white men fight each other today. I don't know why the hell you guys are into this, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't really have, like... Like that kind of a game. There's something uniquely brutal about American football. But there is. I, but when I look at rugby, I'm like, okay, that to me seems more realistic. It is more realistic, I think, in some ways. Um, it's it's even it's more brutal in some and less in others. Like sort I, of like I, MMA versus maybe kickboxing. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I, one of my arguments with the rugby kids is like, dude, you you don't get hit as hard as you do in American football as you're doing here in rugby. You just you're, you're not right. Um, Plus, the athletes are smaller, and, you know, go do a kickoff, guys. Like, talk about fucking insane. But what do you think would happen if, like, what if, by some crazy reason, people decided, hey, look, we're going to no longer do American football, mm -hmm. we're going to do rugby. Rugby's I just hope our it's shit rugby league. <laughs> I just hope it's rugby league. I, I don't totally understand the difference between the two of them. I would have to watch a few games, I guess, but uh, those guys who dominate in football, wouldn't you think they would be the guys who dominate in rugby? Yeah. I do. So everybody would just get bigger and faster and stronger. Yep. We'd be just like American level football players. Pretty much. Because the the if, if we're talking that everybody would switch over to rugby, that means all these rugby teams in the league and all that would then be the ones with all the big merchandise deals and the TV deals and all that. All the money would funnel into it. And therefore, the potential prosperity of it would drive the interest for people to try and uh, ply their wares at being not only a part of that hero myth that would come with being a champion football team player, you know, or rugby team player, uh, but also with the hero myth of just being a part of that within, you know, your normal society, you're of this your elite exception, exceptional status, this thing that stands alone that it seems a bit foreign to your normal person, but also the money and the success that comes from that kind of notoriety and the doors that it opens in terms of 
um, you know, to use a, a overused word, the privilege of being at that level, at in, within that inner circle of exceptional or seen as exceptional people anyways do you think that what, what's the show drive it what's the show you've had a long career in mma 20 a years long successful career but it's very rare yeah and it's very rare for someone to be operating the same level that you're operating seven years now. is like the the cutoff like once you get seven? to about seven everything starts to just rapidly decline like you just fall to shit do you think it's an injury thing is it a training thing is it just a life thing they didn't they didn't, uh, or at least they weren't able to single out any particular factor in, in general. But, you know, there was a lot of, of theories as to why that might, might be, but they were able to track uh, professional fighters' careers uh, over length of time. I think they had some metric. Sorry, who, having, did, who did the study again? I don't, I don't remember, but it's on the, it's on the internet. Oh. Uh, it, uh, they, I, I do believe that they accounted, they were able to account for a number of fights too and, and weigh that against that metric and see how that may influence things. But seven years was this magic number, like hmm. six, seven years. And once you start going over seven years, your, your, your percentage of success started just crumbling. Like it was dramatic about how a guy would be like 13 and three and he'd get to seven years and all of a sudden it's like 13 and six, 13 and seven, 13. Right. He just starts losing just about everything. Hmm. Yeah. BJ Penn's a good example of that, right? You know, like there's certain there's a certain drop off where the person just looks totally different. Well, like, and and you know, we could honestly look it would be we would have to isolate a lot of different factors to figure out any one particular thing. But there's so many elements that go into being a professional fighter right. and being successful at that. And so for let's say we'll take BJ, you know, may, maybe it is physicality. Maybe he's lost a little bit of a step. His reactions are a little slower uh, through any number of reasons why. Uh, maybe his, his strength has diminished maybe slightly or his flexibility. Maybe certain physical elements, regardless of injury or not, have diminished enough that an, uh, at where they used to be it was an edge. Where it is now it is is evened out or is or is below what is necessary for him and how he fights to be successful. Uh, maybe it could be beyond physical deterioration. Maybe it's just mental uh, motivation. Yeah, exactly. So maybe yeah. he's just not as motivated to push in the same ways that he was, or maybe he's not able to. Uh, I don't know. Recognize uh, things that he was five years ago, six years ago, and seeing those opportunities and being able to react on them quicker. Uh, there's a, a number of things, and especially when it comes to mental, now, now you're getting into such a subjective area that, uh, you know, go, go pull that apart. I mean, yeah, that's a really good point. The mental aspect is a really good point because who knows? You know, the only, only the person that's competing knows. I mean, I mean, you really never have any idea right? how what's going on inside a person's head. I mean, for me, I decided to take a break after my Arlovsky fight, and that was somewhat physically based, but most of it was mental. I, uh, I just didn't... F I had no interest to go into any kind of training camp to put myself through all that again, to then to fight again. You know, it's just... For one, when you start off fighting and what those goals are, to... As you get further in and further in and further in and, you know, getting it 20 years of being a professional fighter and being a top 10 heavyweight uh, and arguably and, and top five most of the time for shit, 16 of them, something like that. It's and, a lot of high level competition. Yeah. And uh, it's just 
and youngest ever UFC heavyweight champion. That's right. So, I was so, so and, a lot until of that, that that son of a bitch John Jones came and beat me out by a few months. That, that talented bastard. Now you're the youngest ever. <laughs> yeah, just heavyweight, just heavyweight champion heavyweight. instead of the yeah. youngest ever UFC champion. But um, it's it got to a point where it's just like, well, you know, my reasons for fighting are essentially still the same, but. Oh, I don't have the same motivation to go out there and be like, oh, I'm going to conquer the whole world. I'm fight. I could beat that guy. I could beat that. I know I could beat guys. Like it doesn't. I don't. I'm not trying to prove it to myself anymore, you know. Um, but that fire that wants to fight still exists. I'm just like, well, you know what? I'm going to take some time to work on some of the other stuff that is going to be more of my life after this because fighting is going to end sooner than this stuff is. And how old are you now? 39. Now, when you think about, do you, do you have like a number in your head, like when I hit 42 no. or no? No, no, no. I don't, I don't have anything set like that. I just figure that if I'm being honest with myself and self-aware, that I'll know when that time has come, when that, that moment is, is getting to that, that edge where if you keep going, it's going to fucking, it's going to go downhill versus, okay, you've got right to that point call it fucking good, mm. move on. And there's still athletic windows f open to me with grappling and maybe a few other in professional wrestling, uh, but uh, fighting is going to be a much shorter window. And the right. fact that I got 20 years out of it or however long that I, I take this to is going to be pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Are you thinking about doing some more grappling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been approached by a few things, but uh, either dollar-wise, just really hasn't made sense, or mainly that's just it. And uh, it's, I feel like it's just one thing that people have to figure out is super popular and get it on tele, or super exciting rather, mm -hmm. and get it on television. If somebody watches like your match with Dean Lister. You know, you're the first guy to tap out Dean Lister in how many years? Like 17 years or 15 Some, years, something, something crazy. Yeah. And you caught him in a scarf hold. Oh yeah, just head old and arm school, him. boom, old headlock. school judo style. Yeah. It's fucking badass. Well, and he, here's the thing. I had seen that the last time he'd been subbed was that. Really? Yeah. So I already knew that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to put this in my back pocket if I need it later on in the match. And after I've been riding him and grinding on him and, and beating on him, once he's huffing and puffing, I can get it. Wow. I know it's going to be real hard for him to stop this. And so sure enough, I, I look up and it's like, oh, shit, I don't have a lot of time left. Boom, hit it, go. And it worked. Yeah, and then Heron Gracie was a big feather in your cap too, because Heron is like one of the most respected young Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt guys out there. Like he's super respected. His well, and yeah. defensively, like he's really very tough defensively. Really good. Uh, you know, Galval didn't couldn't tap him. Uh, he all those guys like Heron, Halleck, uh, Henner, they were all very successful when they were competitors. Yeah. Um, and I know Super people want Yeah, they oh. were they were kicking butt. Uh, in fact, what was it Henner tapped Jeff Munson back in the day? I think it That's was with crazy. a triangle. So uh, when Hiron was the only guy that Halleck could get to step up and wrestle me, that was that was the option. There was all these heavyweights and all these dudes, and I'm like, I found a bunch of guys that had, had recently competed and won belts and stuff or won one tournament. I'm like, hey, pick what about that guy? And Halleck's like, he won't do it. That guy won't do it. That guy won't do it. The, a whole bunch of them would be like, well, they won't do it without the gi. And I'm like, okay, well, that's you know that's not an option, so why even bring it up? So and you could get dude some was, really high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion guy who wanted to get in there with you? There have been, but, well, no, I, well, there are a few, like, Cyborg wanted to do it, you know, but then that's an he, interesting he, he, one, got, right? he, got interest, he got injured. Yeah. And so then it was like, well, how do we fill that gap? What kind of injury do you have? Do you know? Rib, I think. 
I, I didn't really look into it too much. For me, beast. it was just a matter of that match isn't happening. Right. Move on. You know, try to salvage this thing. And I would so, like to see that match, though, in the future. I think that would be really interesting. It could happen. Yeah. It could happen. I trained for it. I, I felt real confident going into it. I, I really wanted it, too, because everybody was like, as soon as I beat Dean, well, the first thing was, oh, what an idiot. He's wearing shoes. Oh, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing. He's going to get his leg tore off. Well, how he's so dumb. And then I went, it's like, what a cheater. He wore shoes. They gave him such an advantage. He had so much grip. Oh, that's bullshit. It's like, <laughs> which is it? Oh, he was 270 and Dean was 185 pounds. Like, what are you talking about? I was like 250 and Dean was like 230. The guy was Dean's a big massive. Well, and, and people forget, he, he's a pretty thick dude. I remember giving him a hug at the quote unquote weigh ins. I mean, we didn't weigh in. And I'm like, <laughs> this dude is silverback status right now. He's huge. Yeah, he's a fucking massive guy. He's strong and, and very uh, talented, too. He's and so, so I'm like, extremely technical. Right, very. And, and, you know, to to me, I'm seeing all, all the blue belts going nuts out there. And I'm like, um, well, he's a, he was a heavyweight, too. So yeah. I didn't just go out there and outsize him. You know, I used my game on him, and yeah, I rode him heavy, you know, which is a skill to develop, but, um, you know, you don't see Dean making mis- excuses. I mean, we just went out there and gave it our best, and I was able to beat him that day. Well, Dean was one of the best leg lockers in the country. Yeah. I mean, really, he's like super knowledgeable when it comes to any aspect of jiu-jitsu, but mm-hmm. in particular, leg locks. And he spent a bunch of time on the East Coast at Henzo's place. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Bravo said that's sort of where Henzo's place became like this leg lock mecca. You think huh. about like Gary Tony like and Eddie Cummins and John Donaher. Like, yeah, his, his like, what teachings that he uh, lent in over there sort of spread. And sure. now they've since, Donaher, who's a real wizard, since spread it into his own sort of ideas and philosophies yeah. on attacks. Well, that's the thing. You just never know what can come of, of any, even... The the smallest to largest influence yeah um allowing that that seed can take place anywhere but someone may tend that garden and all of a sudden boom you know a big explore a, a big expansion from that idea can come from it and that's you know one of the great things about well that's one of the things that people like about you is that you're you most of the time you're going old school yeah. i mean you're doing catch wrestling stuff i mean you're doing like the shit that Carl Gotch and all those dudes from those uh, old school wrestling, catch wrestling books, like a lot of those submissions, yeah. you're proving those things to be 100% legit. Yes. And, uh, you know, and I understood, I understand completely the, some of the incredulousness uh, about looking at that and being like, that doesn't fucking work because you think, well, if it did, it would be everywhere. Right. Uh, but for one, it's just there's just not enough people teaching it. So that's really diminishes uh, the ability to expand it. Although, like myself and uh, all the people from the Japanese shoot wrestling side that that has come from like Sakuraba and uh, Maeda and Fujiwara. I mean, there's guys amazing. out there. Yeah. yeah. Explain that connection because it's really kind of fascinating that who, who went over there? Was it Carl Gotch? Carl Gotch, Carl Gotch was brought over Japan. there by Antonio Inoki to create the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo. And teach all of his students, all of, all of the wrestlers, how to be catch wrestlers, and to give them a foundation in basically shooting, which is real fighting. So then they could go out there and work these matches, but keep the intensity, the realism. Uh, the it's like the difference between you know. I know you're not the biggest fan of professional wrestling. How dare and, you? How dare you? I dare. I dare. <laughs> if I had a gauntlet, I would throw it. I'm sure there's a gauntlet in here somewhere. Look at this fucking we'll place. We'll find it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
you know, I, I also understand some of the gripe with looking at like where the way wrestling has been for quite a while now. It's like, oh, so it got outed. Right. So everybody knows it's worked. So people operate on this premise that it's fake. So whatever, like why bother make it real anymore? Let's just fake it up all the way. And then people would open up skills. And it would be like if if a, if all magicians were just like, hey, look, all of our tricks, they're not real. They're not real magic. Here's how you do them all. And now I'm going to open up schools and just teach everyone, you know, just pay me 500 bucks for three months. And now you too can be a magician. And it's just like, well, uh, oh man, that would ruin going to magic shows. It would just right. make it so shitty. Uh, but, you know, that's how a lot of these, these guys get into wrestling now that would never be wrestlers. Like to be a wrestler back even in, say, the 70s, early 80s. You had to be a fucking tough guy. Like Dusty Rhodes, you look at him, you're like, that guy's not tough. You're like, no, actually, he was recruited by the fucking Miami Dolphins. And he was like, eh, I think I can make more money being a wrestler than I can being a football player back then. <laughs> you know, or Ric Flair was like an All-American or college, big-time college football player. And he went and trained under Vern Gagne and uh, Billy Robinson at the at this barn out in, in Minnesota somewhere and they would have to run miles and lift weights and do squats and wrestle each other for real and it's just like all these dudes that you think it's like oh yeah woo and all like that these motherfuckers had to go through some real shit and they had to prove themselves to be legitimately tough enough to be even a professional wrestler to work matches and they used to hold do things like hold tryouts and people would come down they they pay in their money the and these wrestlers would just run them into the ground and then, all right, whoever's left, whoever, you know, could get through the endurance part of this. Okay. Now you're going to get in the ring with some dude. And then they would just get the shit tortured out of them the at, you know, just totally ripped apart. And then like, all right, cool. Bye. You didn't make it because that's just the way it was. You when did it become worked? Right. Cause it used to be it at was one a, point in time, it was like, they would do like matches like and carnivals, maybe and the thirties, like maybe. farmer burns days. Right. Exactly. So originally professional wrestling catch, catches, catch can was a hundred percent real. Like these guys, this is how people would travel the world. This is how Mitsuo Maeda, the judoka jujitsu guy ended up in Brazil doing catch wrestling, pro wrestling matches and then ended up staying and teaching judo and jiu-jitsu and catch wrestling to the Gracies. The, the actual birth of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is amazing because yeah. you could trace it. Yes. Started as catch, started, started as, as judo. Catch, started as judo and catch wrestling. And Jamie, pull up because Farmer of Burns hanging himself. Oh, yeah, the hangman trick. Yeah, that's he nuts. Used to, his neck was so strong that he would do this trick where he would put a noose around his neck and drop and hang from his neck. Mm -hmm. And supported, and he was probably about 170 pounds, something like probably that. Probably something like that, yeah. And he would hang from his neck and not die. Yes. Which uh, most of us. How do you even get to that point? I How don't do you know. test that theory? Do you like ease into it? Do you think he's beaten off ever while he's doing that? I hope so. What a wasted opportunity. Maybe David Carradine should Look have at been. This. Guy used to fucking hang himself. Go, go to the one where you see his full body, the far le left there. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, the guy had a neck that was so fucking strong, he literally could hang himself. I mean, he had his hands free so he could reach up and grab the rope, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I wonder how long he would survive doing that. I don't know. It could make it hard to, uh, to give a blowjob afterwards. Yeah, for sure. There's certain dudes that, like, you look at them today and you don't think of them as being, like... A 20-inch neck on a 165-pound dude. That's amazing. I mean, then he whistles Yankee Doodle. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he whistles Yankee Doodle... Oh, he can be dropped from six feet? What? 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 Dropped from six feet? So he probably wasn't even six feet tall. 
So he's dropping it from his own height and l- catching with his fucking neck, and then he whistles? Yeah, well, and then also there's uh, gay for pay pro bodybuilders as well. On Your favorite left? bodybuilder is Where's maybe that? a male prostitute. Hey, oh. gay for pay. Hey, what are those little things that they <laughs> put on CNN and stuff like that? Like miracle weight loss cure, and then you go pay dad. Like, what is the, what, you have these pay dads here? Oh, God, here. that's ridiculous. You wouldn't yeah. believe what she looks like today. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you're running that through CNN, through yeah. like an accredited news website. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that people did in the late 1900s for fun because there wasn't anything like TV. <laughs> well, I was going <laughs> to say, know? like, no he, internet. So he, what do you do? You end up hanging yourself. From seeing if you could drop from six feet. I wonder how many people tried to emulate that and it just didn't work out. Talk about Darwinism. Oh, there had to be a lot, right? Yeah. For sure. There's got to be some dummy who's like, I can fucking do that. Snap. Yeah. Oh, for sure. God, man. I bet there was a lot that died because there wasn't a whole lot of entertainment back then. It was either that or get dysentery. There's a crazy story going around. Some YouTube couple did some stunt where the. Oh, the girl shot the guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah and killed him. Oh, really? Uh, the encyclopedia was thick enough to stop a bullet. That ooh. was the stunt. And what what kind of a uh, round was it? I don't know. Dude. What? Because yeah. uh, really, a nine millimeter, even a, a low, not 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 like a not a hot load one, hot load. <laughs> uh, not even a real like a yeah. like a personal defense round or whatever. It will it will pierce phone books. No no problem. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Can you imagine just having trust in encyclopedias? Well, Stop a bullet? did they even test that out? They put an encyclopedia on the ground and shoot it first? I bet this crazy bitch probably, she probably put some Kevlar in a book and said, look, honey, even in the littlest book will stop a bullet. <laughs> and then she gave him the book with no Kevlar and blam. Well, I don't know. really believe that, folks. This is just a joke. Don't sue me. Women women and men, man, they can they figure out how ways to be tricky all the time. Or stupid as fuck. They figure or that dumb way. as fuck. There's yeah. a lot of dumb as fuck out there. Ooh. It's just a matter of whether or not you can survive it. Dude, I've been trolling the past uh, day on uh, Instagram, putting up these ridiculous about the bear posts stuff? about bears. Yeah. So many people think I'm serious. <laughs> Dude, I wrote about forest rangers infiltrating bear I saw I read that. And, and people to try to find their intent. On that. Dude, people are so fucking stupid. It's like what we were talking about before the podcast started, about yeah. people that form cults and right, of Scientology yeah, and well, L. Ron Hubbard and all that shit. Well, it's this the diminishing element of have, of critical thinking. It's not just about the reduction of critical thinking in today's society it is the effort that it takes to be a critical thinker and for i would classify under the this under the this this concept i have that i've been working with called human entropy so entropy is the the in physics it's a things returning simply put it's things going to their lowest state of energy and human beings human entropy will go to their lowest state of energy given an opportunity and to the point where you see Wally, if you've seen that movie, and all the the big, you know, fat out, just gnarly people just floating around on hover beds, being fed and taken care of, and having zero strife in their life, that we will do that if given the opportunity. And so, not having to think critically, finding a group identity of some sort, even as crazy as a cult, or which I would argue that there's a lot of ideologies around nowadays that are just as cult-like as as scientology or, or you know heaven's gate stuff Dude, like CrossFit that helps a lot of people and i think you're, <laughs> just, you're f- so out of line uh, <laughs> but uh um 
to to be to belong in one of these groups to be a part of that identity means that you no longer have to take as much responsibility for your own actions because this group has decided your your value system how you're going to operate your ethics it also i mean there's um some philosophical arguments that part of that also ultimately stems from uh i think it's from ernest becker Uh, it stems from fear of death and having to mitigate the the anxiety and nihilism that could come with uh, confronting and accepting the fact that you're going to die and everything that you did is going to die with you essentially like your your lack of existence is coming around the corner not if you put on the purple nikes and cut your balls off and wait for the comet that's right you drink the kool-aid <laughs> did, did you hear how the the guy uh he saw everybody dying horribly and he's like jonestown well, f- yeah well fuck i'm not gonna drink that please you know do something else instead it's like Shoot me! I don't want to. I don't want to take the drink. I'm sure. Didn't they kill like 900 people or something like that? Yeah, in Jonestown. Yeah, yeah. Something insane along those lines. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's very interesting watching people just give in to the influence of the hive. Of course, whatever hive that is, yes. whether it's a religious hive or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated. Well, it operates on the same principles, yeah. you know. Whether it be religion, and you can tell people. Of course, to me, religion is kind of one of the ultimate ones because um, the Everything we do has is is measured against a wager. You know, if we talk in from from games, so what what's at stake increases the uh, importance or the you know of, of the game itself. So you know, fighting increases that that threshold so much higher because the more greater potential for death or hurt, pain, whatever, right? You're fighting somebody. And as you go down the lines, but you know, poker is is popular because the raised stakes. The money that as at play and the reward that could come with it and the potential that you could lose from it, so everything has this this value this this measure against what you're what you're potentially giving up and what's it what's it hazard so with religion what's it hazard your eternal soul Ooh. something that is so high value that you can't oh fuck I can't risk that so fuck I, I guess i better you know i mean it's that's better. why it's so powerful but also it is it is a um panacea for death because like nietzsche will talk about the concept of true world values this is not the true world this other thing is the true world so all this suffering and strife and difficulty and any like bullshit that happens to me all of this in the end it really isn't going to matter because eventually i'm going to go to this true world and this is the real world, and this is the, my payoff for all of the, all the, the shit I had to go through down here. And so for a lot of people, the concept of having meaning for their difficulty, for their struggle, is absolutely important. Because otherwise, why am I doing this? You know, to take your own existence, your own being in the world, and take it on to yourself, and have all your own accountability, and look at it as... I'm here living the best life I can because I need to live the best best life I can because it's the only life I will ever live. Yeah. That is a lot of weight. And, you know, um, the anxiety of people dealing with that, trying to really take that on face on with death and their, their, their lack of permanence in this world. Uh, that's the, the argument is that was where nihilism can come from. And then with nihilism, it's like, well, nothing matters. So if nothing matters and you're not, you're not able to, to operate anymore, you know, you're just like, right. what, what's the point? Yeah. 
The moment matters, though. Of course it does. All of it. Everything matters. Yeah. Well, see, it's up to you to assign your values as to what you're doing anyways and why you're doing it. Um, but again, that involves taking responsibility for those values and carrying those that, that burden of what that may be on your own shoulders. And I not think somebody, that's not, one, of the, one of the reasons why learning some kind of a discipline at an early age is probably like really important for people. I think so. I mean, I think for me, a lot of it came from being ostracized as a kid and being someone that was not of hive mentality and out of herd mentality. And how'd you get ostracized for what? Because of what? Just uh, for for one, it was being bigger, and for all the things that I was in, interested in, all the dorky stuff or weird stuff. Or, Do you still play Dungeons and Dragons? I would if I had the time. <laughs> I would play Dungeons and Dragons. I would play Warhammer 40k. I would. I still play Magic the Gathering from time to time. Do yeah, you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm as nerdy as they you get. Cast spells. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding I me? It. I tapped that man, a motherfucker. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, but uh, you know, for being into that kind of stuff, but also just for being, just for just being different, and some of it was like Big Brother syndrome stuff. So it's like, oh well, you, you fuck with Big Brother because it's fun, and eventually he gets mad and he finds you and he beats you up and you cry, right. and you, but you do it again the next day anyways. <laughs> so for me, it's like, oh, here's this big kid, and he's gonna get upset if you start fucking with him. Uh, and it's funny, ha 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 ha, until I get a hold of you, and then it's like, oh, you just beat me up. That's fucked up. And it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't want to beat anybody up until you started fucking ridiculing me in the first place. So, it, but when you're a little child, you don't understand regulation of emotions as well. You also don't understand the social parameters in which all this stuff is functioning, anyways. You just don't have that kind of insight. And so, you know, it'd be like nowadays, someone could walk in here and be like fuck you, you suck. And I would look at him and I would laugh about it. Does that ever happen to you? Because we were talking about this yesterday. I was saying that I saw it happen to Chuck Liddell. Mm -hmm. I have saw people try to pick fights with Chuck Liddell and it's hilarious. It's like, are you no. fucking suicidal? No. Does that ever happen with you? No, 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 no. Never? I have I have never had anyone really try to pick a fight with me. I had a guy at a, at a concert once, like get all, get all uh, butthurt about me not letting him pass in between me and this, this girl that was standing with me because people kept trying to cut through to get, it was at Anthrax and he wanted to get and I'm just like, fuck this. Why do people keep trying to walk between us? Like, Jesus, just go around. Right. So eventually I'm like, nah, I'm not letting anybody by. So I got my elbows out and people would bump into it and then go go around. Well, this guy, he just kept going, kept tapping. It's just like, man, fuck you, dude. I'm standing here with a girl. Go away. <laughs> he was trying to get between you and your girl. And so do eventually he was trying he comes to get through... like a, a dick rub? Like uh, a... Uh, Maybe. I mean, if he'd asked nicely, maybe he would have got one. Wow, I don't know. That's a bold ask. But uh, it, you know what, though? Fortune favors the bold. <sighs> Does. And I'm a kind human being. Well, maybe he didn't want me to rub his dick, but that's what he would have got. <laughs> he would have got that, too. Like, so, so, you give and you take, sir. <laughs> so uh, the guy comes around. He finally goes around us. And then he's just he looks at me. He's like, hey, man, I was trying to get through. And I go, look, I'm standing here with, with this girl. Like, get, yeah. go somewhere. You just go around. And he's getting all, he's getting pissed about it because I'm dismissing him, you know? And right. so eventually I'm just like, just, you know, let's go, let's walk away. Now that gets his fucking hackles up and he's all mad and he's, he's looking at me. He's like, you, this and that. And I just started laughing at him. I go, oh, you want to, you want to scrap because you can't get through here? Is that, is that it? Is, is this what you want to do? And he's just like, well, well, and I go, okay, okay, we'll just move on. Oh, fucking chest up even bigger and it's just like he looks like he's gonna walk away whatever i'm just like all right you know okay do your own thing he's like <gasps> he's just getting <sighs> even more worked up and finally he points his finger out and i'm laughing at him and the girl who uh who was like uh did jujitsu and was a fighter she reaches out and grabs a hold of this guy's wrist and pulls his hand out she's like don't you don't want to do that and then he looks at her and he looks at me and i'm just smiling and he 
pulls his hand back, and I, I go, I know what must have gone through his head is just like, this girl's grip is serious, <laughs> and she's telling me don't fucking do it. It's probably a good idea not to fucking do it. Probably exactly. Yeah, but, but other times there have been like. Uh, you know, I'm not impervious to uh, getting in a mood. And so sometimes I've been out and about and someone's being a dickhead and I see it and it's like, okay, this guy's he's, he's clearly trying to egg something on somehow. And so maybe I, you know, add a little something to that. Seeing if he'll if he'll uh, if he'll bite and just won't happen, <laughs> you know. Or I've had some people go, "Oh, yeah, of course no one's gonna fight you. They know who you are." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? I'm some sort of D-list celebrity. Nobody knows who the fuck I am." So you can get away with a lot, I think. But and the thing, the thing is, if a guy knew how to fight, he would know who you are. Or if a guy was a fan of fighting, he would know who sure. you are. And those guys would be way less likely to pick a fight in the first. Well, there place. was one dude who was at this bar in Fullerton, and he's being just belligerent. He's being an asshole in this place, and and my buddy Ham. Uh, he was the door guy at the time, and this other, and they're like, "Come on!" And he, this guy's fucking getting all riled up, and I'm standing there with hammer and just looking at this dude. And eventually, the other door guy comes over and he's like, "Hey, you fucking dumbass!" You're wearing the fucking T-shirt of that guy right there, so maybe you might want to shut the fuck up. And so this guy's wearing one of my Affliction shirts, and the guy looks at the shirt, and he looks at me, and he's just like, oh, shit. That's so stupid. Imagine getting your ass kicked because you picked a fight with a guy whose shirt you have on. Like, you, you're wearing a Josh Barnett shirt. And you don't know who Josh Barnett is. Well, and, and some a lot, a lot of this shit comes from people putting themselves into situations where they have up the ante to where, where for them not to follow through is is going to bring about like a, a huge internal conflict with them. You know, right. they're going to know that they they raised the stakes and then they had to back down, which I think is really hard for just about anybody to deal with to get yourself to a point where you're like yeah you know i'm in the right and then to, to, to dial that back i mean people don't even want to really apologize for anything let alone have to admit that they took something too far it got to a point where they weren't willing to go any further and they realized they fucked up and then to fucking tuck tuck tail and leave again and, and back down and there's a lot of insecurity involved in that. There was a lot of insecurity probably to get to that point in the first place, which is why people that really know how to fight don't have to go out there and try to prove to somebody else that, that they are capable or that look at, hey, everybody, look at how, how badass I am. So, you know, when it, for me, I just, I don't start fights, you know? I mean, barring that, maybe that, that occasional moment where someone you know, I thought was being an asshole, or I thought they were being, a shitty person the reason they're being a shitty person is because they thought that no one would call them on it you know and for me to call them on it is more about there doesn't need to be any conflict here tonight but you want to create it because you're an insecure little prick so I'll, I'll 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 be your huckleberry all right now that you see that somebody was willing now how much is it worth to you and of course it's, it's almost it's never worth it to them and even people that have you know been all fucking fired up and you know of course they're operating off of anger and emotion and and of of upping something to a point where they don't feel that they can back down because if you give someone an out especially in these kind of things 90 percent of the time they take it but uh but there's that always that last word thing that everybody wants yeah that yeah, is yeah, almost yeah. They as want valuable to feel like, as winning the right, fight to right. a lot of dickheads <laughs> but you know when you sometimes you, you turn to somebody and you go you don't know anybody that knows anybody that knows anybody that knows anybody that can kick my ass so i don't know what you're going to do right now or who you're going to call <laughs> but it ain't going to fucking work or it's just you know turn to somebody and be like how many friends you got with you that ain't enough 
you know, <laughs> go get more. Because I don't know which one of you guys want to get involved, but the first one that I can get my hands on to, I'm a fucking cripple you. I'm a fuck you up. I'm a fuck you up. I don't know if you guys can take me, but I want to know how many of you I'm going to take with me first. Or my favorite is people nowadays don't really... So everything is a reduction to violence, essentially. Everything? Like everything is a reduction to violence. At the base level, like, like the, final, the final element is violence. So what I'm saying is that, so we create all these, we create laws, we create social norms, we create all the customs and things to honestly, to avoid things getting to violence. But even your simplest law is essentially rooted in the element of violence. So, okay, uh, you, you will use some, some, some law, right? Like a, a ticket of some sort. And it's like, well, I'm going to fine you for the thing. I'm not going to pay it. Okay, well, then we're going to fine you some more. I'm not going to pay that. We're going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Well, okay, then if you're not going to pay the thing, you're not going to, you're not going to do this and you're not going to let, you're not going to, oh, well, then what we're going to do is we're going to arrest you. No, you're not. At some point, it reduces down to violence. Right. So we're using violence all the time to, or at least the, con the, for the, a lot of things, for pretty much everything, you know, in terms of social controls. Eventually, right. if someone doesn't want to adhere to those controls in some way, violence is the final solution. It's what it's what it boils down to. It is the basis for for all of our police and military. And even honestly, it still exists within all of us on a social level. It's just that we have managed to take that concept and put it onto something else. The mm. law. Right. Police. Yeah. Something like that. But the reality is, is that if some guy just at some point says, you know, I don't really give a fuck and you were an asshole and I'm just going to wreck you. Okay. You can sue him. You can do this. You can call the cops on him. You can whatever. But violence is going to happen whether you want it to or not. And it, whether this person was in the right. Because that's another thing is like violence in and of itself, even if you're the winner, like I, I don't remember which philosopher it was said, you know, winning the duel doesn't mean that you were correct. It just mm. means that you won, you know? That's a good point. So Duels. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, so the, all these things are, are, you know, customs, norms. All, a lot of this stuff is to avoid anything breaking down to violence because, you know, you bump into someone, you spill their drink, and they turn to you and go, hey, man, well, that was fucked up. And you turn to them and you go, you know what? It was. I'm sorry. Or you could turn to me like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck me. You spilled my drink. I, I have, I'm taking offense to this. I now don't have my drink. Who's going to make this right? I don't really give a shit. Huh. That's, everything starts to escalate. And as soon as, as, as one person takes a stand, and other, if that other person rises to that, to that next level too, then, and they rise it again, eventually you get to a certain point. It's like, okay, what, where are we going with this? Right. Where is the solution? Where does any of this lie? At its, at, you've, you've stripped down all other options until you got to a point where all you got allowed yourselves was violence or to completely re pull yourself entirely out of that situation, which a lot of people aren't necessarily, if, if it really, really, really got to that point, they're not willing to do because now there's too much A lot of people just don't have the emotional maturity to well, realize that, that they've made a mistake or to just not engage and not want to be a part of it. 
Yeah. But then that, there's that psychological thing of wanting to win whatever weird battle of words. Right. Well, and there's there's uh, other complex things. Like if it was uh, males, you know, there's social hierarchy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was females, there's social hierarchy stuff between that. If it's male and female, it, it could be, you know, well, there's always this side of, if, if you're really super concerned about what other people think, or how you're going to be perceived by others in a group setting, you know, th- that could also play into a factor, which happens, you know, out and about on the town or whatever. Your buddies always see you in this situation or other people, everyone, okay, you got their attention. Now what are you going to do? And so if they see you completely retreat, everyone's like, uh-huh, all right. Well, that guy really wasn't what he said he was. Like his, Right, 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 yeah. You're not down, man. Did you ever see that thing where Sean Connery uh, is talking to Barbara Walters and she asks him about hitting chicks? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. And he's like, sometimes you give them the last word, yeah. but that's not enough. <laughs> they have to say more, and you just gotta give them a little smack. A little smack. Yeah, that's... <laughs> just said it. That's and Barbara was just like, uh... She didn't know what the fuck to what? do. She thought she had him. Yeah. She thought it was over. And he dug his heels in. He's impervious, I guess. You know? But, uh... He probably had no cum in his body because he probably fucked 15 different women that day. Right. And he was just like, what kind of nonsense conversation are we having here? Yeah. Do I need to smack you, Barbara? I'm fucking Sean Connery. (laughs) Look at the smile on his face. Look at my mustache. I'm bald. I don't care. I'm I'm a manch man. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's play. Can we play it without getting pulled off of YouTube? You don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Mm. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? I, mean, I would love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? <laughs> no, you think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. You I don't think, think it's bad? Must, I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. What would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, that they can't leave it alone. Yeah. They don't they want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the last, last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again and, and get into a really provocative situation. Then I think it's absolutely right. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Oh, that's so people get Sean Connery being rude and aggressive. Play that up next. What is what is he getting rude and aggressive about? There are reports that you punched the director. Was it a right hook or a left hook? Do you work for the, the uh, tabloids or the News of the World? Not at all. I just said there are reports. National Enquirer? Are you wearing a jock strap or what? <laughs> I'm not. Not tonight, sir. No. Ah, okay. That's why you're smiling. I am indeed. I hope but maybe it's too tight. The director isn't here tonight. Any particular reason behind that? I mean, would you work with that? You probably again? knew you were going to be here. Would you make another film with the director again if you had the chance? Would you do another interview with me? Of course I would. Yeah, you but I wouldn't do a film with him. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Wow. Hello, I'm Sean Connery. How are you? It would be funny if that was Barbara Walters right next to him. He's ready to take some dick. That honestly didn't seem that rude or aggressive. He just didn't like the question, and he fucked with him about it. Yeah, well, clickbait. But in any ways, I I personally do not put hands on women. I'm not not into that. Have you ever had a chick try to hit you, though? Oh, fuck, yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I've been been chin-checked while driving once. I was like, snack. Well, that was cool. 
you know, we, we hit each other that's now? Is that what it is? wants to get fucked hard. <laughs> You're not fucking her hard enough, Josh. Uh, apparently that's, not. Shit. You gotta put your boots on. Those wrestling shoes that you wore when you tapped yeah, out, dude, you need to, put those uh, on. I need to lace up, motherfucker. Yeah. Put some, uh, some, uh, some tackum on my arms, mm -hmm. you know, make sure to get a good grip. You might want to throw the mattress on the ground. Right. You know, so you could really like dig in like so, a so side can, control you know, sort of thing. Like, yeah, really. We can really uh, bottom that thing out. Yeah, man. Like you, you push up against the wall and uh, your feet just on hardwood floor. That's yeah, what I'm thinking. Right. Just you're, like, you're just planking and just, you know, driving. Actually, forward. office carpeting. Imagine <laughs> if you had your bedroom. Like, like the why, stuff that's stain resistant. Yeah. You know, it's got that grip on it. super grippy. And girls are like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, why is your carpet so Shut harsh? Shut the fuck up. We're... <laughs> This is going to get real, real in a second, but you're going to love me for it. Uh, no, I've been, I've been hit. Uh, wow. I, I, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not like, oh, you've been in abusive relationships. Not like that. I mean, it's just people. It's frustrations and people not being able to manage those. I remember one. Uh, this gal, uh, she trained, she fought, and at one point, and she used to do all kinds of shit. Right? Go. You know what? That is the most fucked up shit. You're really abusing the fact, uh, you know, your your gender, and that you know that you're a woman. So I'm not going to do anything. But you're going to do shit to me that if you were a man, I would just knock all your teeth out. Like you, you've you crossed so many lines, right? And been so disrespectful and and done things that are you know an invasion of of personal space and respect it's just like man that's just too much like you went physical way too far. violence like I punching know. you while you're driving yeah yeah while well, you're dri what if you went out that'd have been hilarious because it's a girl <laughs> who knows how to fight right well, and you know what the person well this one wasn't the, the, the one that punched me while i was driving didn't know how to fight oh. but uh Good. yeah well you know Lucky. it's like they say too but with, with the drunk guy he passes out he's always the one that doesn't get hurt right so i would have been like mm -hmm, and then the right. car was cheap anyway so i wouldn't have cared mm. uh and she probably would have got tossed through the window Damn. but uh uh, but I just remember her saying to me this one time, this, the one that did train, she's like, you know what, you know what fucking kills me? I could, I could just hit you as hard as I wanted to. I could do whatever. And it wouldn't fucking matter. Cause you, you know, cause you're you and I, blah, and I, you're oh, just so, so much bigger and strong. And I'm just like, Jesus fuck. Why is that my fucking fault? Right. You know, we're having, a, we, we have an argument about something and you escalate it. And and then you're mad at me because you couldn't beat me up at the end of it. You got so mad that you can't kick my ass, and now that makes you matter. Let me play armchair psychologist, because I'm good at this. Mm. What I would think is that a gal like that, first of all, she probably enjoys having a certain amount of physical power over people. And when Maybe. shit escalates, she wants that violence to be real. She wants it to be a real threat coming from her, which is why she probably started fighting in the first place. Now, when she's fighting, when she's arguing with you... All of a sudden, she's in this fucked up situation where what she's worked for her whole life is to become this scary girl. Like a girl who could fuck people up. A girl who's like literally a threat physically. She could probably knock a lot of dudes out, right? But she's confronted with a giant former UFC heavyweight champion and she's like, God damn it. Well, I, I do think that, that that psychology can absolutely hold true. For this one particular girl, um, for her, I think it was a matter of not being able to, you know, having this frustration about not being able to, to get the outcome that they wanted. Mm. Um, and having what they would feel is no recourse to get me to, to come to term, to come to their terms right. and their way. But and usually so, she uses physical violence. Uh, no, no, this girl never used physical violence. This but girl she was never worried did. about that then. Uh, nah, you know what? It Why was it's just it insecurity. Up? It's insecurity, and it was just like, how is that even? Why? Why? For one, 
you know, this 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 girl, uh, I was with her for a long time. This, you know, I haven't. This one was a long time ago. My most recent one, on the other hand, that one I've actually seen use violence before, um, and it's just like how to me, it's just like even with with arguing, we would get into these arguments. And someone would make, you know, statement A, and I'd say, okay, well, uh, I don't think statement A holds true because of these reasons. And then we'd start going, and then all of a sudden, statement A is gets strawmanned into something else. And then, no, 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 you can't leave statement A because you're basing your arguments on that. We're not talking about statement B. That's that's a whole different scenario altogether. This argument isn't is going nowhere now. Now it's getting circular, and you keep taking me away from the original argument to begin right. with. They start hitting you with six years ago. You said this to me. And well, I not, it wouldn't even be it. stuff like, like oh. that. It would be it would be something on, I don't know. She turned into a gigantic Marxist SJW. So really, yeah. While you were dating her, yes. She turned SJW social justice warrior, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you're and, not, uh, not online, a lot. Um, it would just be like, well, that okay. Hold on. That doesn't make sense. I don't. I don't. You know, your your logic here. I I don't think falls. You know, in, in, in being correct. She turned into this. Like but, she didn't start out doing this. Uh, I think it, it existed. You know, she's from. She went to Berkeley. So you know. Oh. But but nonetheless, it wasn't something that I ever saw, especially to begin with. It didn't seem like that was what I was in store for until one day, you know, I look over and I'm like, huh, Das Kapital. Well, yeah, I think reading Marx is interesting, and I think it's worthwhile to understand some of his his arguments. And I think he's got some interesting critiques of capitalism, especially back in its day with with this industrialism, uh, industrial uh, society at that time. But he doesn't understand people at all. His solutions are fucking hackneyed. And, you know, he's coming from a, a very interesting position because he doesn't even, he as a person doesn't even stick to his own his own shit you know but in any ways so we're having these arguments and then it would turn to a pejorative and i'm like well okay why are you attacking me i'm not attacking you i'm not even being angry about your statement i just you you, you made statement a so I, I don't believe in it i don't i don't think that that's correct so we're having a discussion but now it became uh a personal attack and now once it even gets to that let alone someone even back in the day talking about oh it really upsets me that uh, no matter how angry, no matter whatever, if I hit you or did this, it wouldn't matter because you're you. It's like, well, both of these statements come from the same, same. both of those scenarios come from the same place. It's like, well, now you're trying, you're attacking me, the individual, because if you're going to do that, you aren't thinking about me as the person that, no, 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 I got your back through heaven and hell. I will kick the gates of hell down and kill everyone there if I got to They're for you. Dead. They're, they're, they they want to devalue uh, they want to devalue me the person because they they feel attacked in some way they feel right. like they're they're so attached to their to their statement to whatever that may be which has some attachment to maybe what they feel is their existence that to re, to change that is dangerous to to call it outright wrong would be an even bigger problem and I mean you know 
I, it's just like this stuff would start showing up at the house. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to start doing research on marks and angles and all this different stuff. And, and then as I would go further and further and further down the rabbit hole, I come back and I go, oh, okay, so this argument stems from this and this and this and this and this. And they're like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, why, why do you think people operate? Like, what, what do you think their whole reasoning is? You know, we get into these arguments about capitalism. Like, capitalism is a neutral well, system. Well, let me ask you this. What is it about social justice warriors or left-wing people that where Marxism is so attractive to them? Uh, well, for one, it's, it's this idea of equity, like this sameness. Like, right. the, everybody, nobody is being left behind, and no one is, is becoming greater than anybody else. Right. Uh, it's also the idea, I, I like to think of it, in, I think a lot of these young people look at it as gr- mom's house, mom and dad's house. So when you're at mom and dad's house, Someone does your laundry, someone cooks your food, you know, you always just show up, you got a place to live, uh, you know, the TV turns on and, and there's your cable. And they think the government should become mom and dad once hey, you exactly. leave the house. Exactly, so they want mom and dad's house to exist forever, so it's just like they can run off and do there's whatever it is they want to do. There's plenty of money for food, there's plenty of money for shelter, yeah. we just need to spend it. Right. The redistribution of wealth. Right, exactly, because if you exceed that system to more than they deem that you should have, then you should give it to somebody else. And it's like, well, how do you think I got this? I wonder I got how it. many... I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go, go ahead. Go ahead keep well, going. it's just like, how, how do you think I got this? Uh, people can say, well, it was, you got it through, you inherited it. Okay, that does happen. I could also have got it through hard work and dedication and some, some guile and some smarts and made it happen for myself. Does oh. that somehow mean that I had to do it at the expense of someone else? Yeah, Not that's, necessarily. A, that's a shitty argument, right? That's the, but that's the argument that they keep bringing up. Of course it up. is. That if you're successful, you did it on the back it's all of grift. someone else. It's all grift. Yeah. What do you think, well, I would, this is what I wanted to ask. Well, that's the thing, like the back the of someone else is, is an interesting thing too. It's like, if someone agrees to do a job, if their skill set is, is limited in such a way that they, are on, that they are capable of doing this job at this moment, now, of course, if you're asking me, they, prob- they have a potential to do more than that as long as they're willing to invest back in themselves and find another skill or expand that skill. You know, there's always possibility for growth within a human being, within their lot in life, whatever that is. And that, that could be transferred into work, could be transferred into uh, personal goals. I mean, it's yeah, all about course. how you value things also. So this person gets into this job working making widgets for this guy who invented this widget this guy invented the widget the argument that okay the worker deserves just as much as the guy that invented it it's like well hold on without the guy that invented the widget you have no job like all of these people that are working out under working underneath them would have nothing they would have zero there would be no widget to build and the guy that made the widget also has the most responsibility because he had to come up with the money to produce the widget, to be able to hire the people to make the widget, to then market the widget, to do all these things to the widget, to get it out there, to make it successful enough to then support more people. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's on the back of that other person because you could also say, well, is everything on the back of the guy that made the widget? I mean, do you just, his idea is not worth, is, is not, can't be belong to him because right. he created it, we, we should take it for us, even though we never, we did not come up with it, we never created it, we right. didn't even the have the facilities to make didn't it. didn't create it and didn't invent it are the ones who want to define how much this guy should get for inventing it right. versus how much they get. Sure, and I would get into arguments uh, with my ex about, she's like, oh, I think all businesses should be co-ops. And my thing, like, what does all, that mean? Well, like cooperative where everybody is getting an equal share in, in, into, into the all business itself. businesses. Yeah. That's and I hilarious. Would say, it is hilarious, also because I would say all businesses can be co-ops. 
There yeah. is no one stopping a business from being a co-op. You know what stops businesses from being a co-op is someone doesn't want it to be a co-op or uh, someone decides, well, that doesn't, I, I can't do it that way. So it, it won't make as much sense for me to create a co-op situation as it would to not. Or well, I, a co-op sounds nice. An enforced co-op does not sound nice. Well, of course a not. A co-op sounds nice. If, like, say if you and I live on a block and we yeah. say, hey, let's, we got this fucking patch of land. Let's yeah. start a, a garden, start a little small farm. Correct. And we'll just have a little co-op here. Right. All right, cool. Great. Yeah. Beautiful. But that's but everybody doing it by choice, voluntary. And says, Josh Barnett, is this the Josh Barnett farm? Yeah, well, you're going to have to turn this into a co-op. And you're like, well, the fuck I am. Well, we're going to put you in jail. Exactly. And then, that's... and then it comes back down to violence. Here's the question. This is what I kept meaning to ask before I forget. Do you think that the... What do you think the numbers are of the people that are involved in these ideas that have never competed in anything? Now, that's... My ex-girlfriend is a professional fighter. and She fights in Bellator. However, the idea of the meritocracy of being a fighter, it seems, it's not, I don't think it's lost on her. I just think that she, she doesn't like the way it's worked out for her. And that makes mm. her upset. Whereas for me, I found success as being a fighter. And it, sometimes it would, it would appear that she would, be, she would be upset at me for what I was able to do and somehow think that uh, maybe I was less deserving or mm. somehow I'm an, it's an exception that uh, who knows what. But the, the reality is, is like I can sit back and go, oh, Mark Hunt just made $800,000. Her thought might might be more, let's say, if we're, we're just, I'm making this up. I'm not saying okay, that she right. said this. You know, she's like, oh, why does he deserve $800,000? Why I make uh, $4,000 or $5,000 or whatever. I've seen people say that. Right. It's just like, okay, well. I could think of all, plenty of reasons. Like, oh, he draws more tickets. He's got a better record. He's a superstar. Or he's, he's, won, he's a K1 champ or whatever. You know, at the end of the day. He's if fighting he's, in New Zealand, right, too, by and the if way. He's selling he's more, right. And if he's selling more tickets than you are, then he, gives, he deserves a greater percentage of that money. Now, now, you come to me, and I can be like, well, I beat Mark Hunt. Right, but what's her argument for that when you say that? Uh, her argument for that would be that, you know— this other person isn't any more deserving than, than So everybody me. should get paid the same. So if John Jones fights Daniel Cormier, huge fight, everybody on the undercard gets a fair share. Well, either that or just like, well, I deserve more than this. And it's and my argument would always be when, when, when she was upset about what, what she may be getting paid here or there. And, and some of this I'd go, well, look, you know, for, for this, for what we're trying to accomplish and for what, what is available in these markets – that's not a bad payday. Well, that sucks. No, I agree with you. You should make more money, but we can't. Mm. It's not available, so we have to deal with what we have. For me, and then I would look at something like Mark Hunt and be like, well, I beat Mark Hunt, but so what? I'm more glad that Mark Hunt was able to create an opportunity to make $800,000. So therefore, if he can make $800,000, now the potential for me to do that exists as well. And it's just similar to like the old Gina Carano thing where everyone got on a train about wanting to beat Gina Carano. Fuck Gina Carano. She's not even that good. And blah, 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 blah. All this hate at Gina Carano. When the reality is like, okay, well, even if you beat Gina Carano, you're not going to get what Gina Carano gets. You're not going to get, people aren't going to like you just as much or more. It's really not about any of that. The only thing you can control is yourself. At the end of the day, you can only yeah. control yourself. You can you only you can can work to try and increase or your, and determine your value in terms of what you're trying to sell. But isn't part of selling today at least talking shit? Like Some of it. It seems to be it's, like because of Connor, a, yeah. his proficiency at it, yeah, and his um, massive financial success because yeah. of it. But he wins too. Yeah, he wins all the time. He yes. won belts. He made very 
bold statements and then went out and won. Yeah. Um, another person could then go and talk shit. Maybe they win and people still don't care as much. Right. You know, you can't force people to care. And what makes them care is a metric that you just can't define. You know, there's one way of doing it is to make them all hate you. But when you lose, you, you're, what's going to happen is you're going to drop off often uh, everything that you gained will be lost yeah. but as they hate you as you continue to win they're going to be more in incited to watch you fight they're going to be more interested to watch you fight or you could be a guy like randy couture everybody loves and yeah. even when he loses everybody loves him the same sure and and you know how that combination comes about is it's magic well i think with randy it's sincerity but i think like look at kevin lee and michael chiesa from mm -hmm. this past weekend perfect example of like a feud these guys put together talking shit to each other at a press conference they get in a scuffle at a press conference and all of a sudden everybody cares yeah. about the result of this fight and then the fight has a controversial ending sure. and now it's even more crazy sure and now there's a lot of eyes on kevin lee and michael chiesa that three four months ago just i've been saying both yeah. guys are super talented sure. both guys have some really good wins and um i think kevin lee's got some real fucking potential but people weren't really talking about him the way they are now so a lot of other fighters are going to look at that and go, "Yeah, that's what I got to do. I got to talk shit on Gina Carano, or I got to talk shit on well, it's it's, anybody, it's whoever a, it is. a lot of that is is what with the Gina Carano thing that was insecurity, and that right. was also well, she was a superstar and the only she, one. It was, and people wanted they thought that they could have what she had by taking it from her, and it's like, well, that's not actually how it works. Right? You can you can beat her, and that will definitely do something for you, and by fighting her. It's going to elevate your your status, but not the same status. Like no. look at Holly Holm. You're your own when person. She knocks out Ronda. Sure. I mean, she devastated Ronda. Right. Was she it? was the first one. Ronda's right. undefeated. Looks like a tank. Yeah. It's coming at her, and Holly winds up head kicking her and yeah. knocking her out. I mean, Holly is still a really highly respected professional sure. fighter, but I mean, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same. Well, it also did something for her her accolades coming in. So she's this heavily touted boxing champion. Yeah. That boxing championship looks more interesting now after she goes and she wins the MMA belt too. Let okay. me ask you this: Why don't they set up Cyborg versus her? Isn't that the fight? Cyborg versus Holly Holm. Because Holly Holm fought Deronda May. I don't know. A lot of people thought Holly Holm should have won that fight. Um, it was a very close fight, and Deronda May definitely hit her. Twice after, after the, the bell, bell. yeah, Once, for real, really significant, yes, and should have been a penalization. Yes. So why the fuck isn't Holly fighting? I know she just fought Betch Cohea, but as soon as Megan Anderson dropped off, yeah, if Holly could take it, I mean, she didn't have as long as she's not injured. Maybe she is. Who knows? She might be. I mean, Managers, yeah, who knows? Bookers, who knows? Who knows what? But that's the fight. That's an interesting fight. Holly yeah. versus Cyborg is the fucking fight. It would be a great fight. Really people, I think people would be interested to watch it, but For sure. it's not the fight that's being made. Instead, oh, we no. have uh, Tanya Amberger stepping up and fighting uh, Cyborg instead. Yeah, and short and, notice. You know, but Tanya's a gamer. She's very tough. Yeah, she will fight anybody. Well, that's a highlight fight real the fight because of that, because she's so tough. Yeah. That's what makes it exciting, but... You know, Cyborg's a giant person. She's she is. So she's massive. She's super explosive, which to me, explosiveness in women's MMA is a massive difference between success and, and not. Like if you're high, if you're super explosive, like that usually makes a, a massive, a big difference in terms of your success rate. Did you see Cyborg sparring with Clarissa yeah. Shields, yeah, two-time yeah. Olympic gold medalist in boxing, and hanging in there, man. I mean, she's, she's getting she, outboxed for right. sure, but not by much. She landed some good shots. She's still game and moving forward yep. and fighting and throwing stuff and dangerous back. yeah and dangerous yeah. against a super high level boxer a, a girl that's even 
arguably bigger than her too. Yeah, and lightning fast. Yeah, but watching Shields like set things up and use that jab, mm -hmm. like, dude, I just want someone well, to get a, her to a, come <laughs> learn some fucking sprawl. Specialization, <laughs> you know, that's the thing about boxing in the the Connor and Mayweather fight yeah. is it's the specialization of of a boxer versus the MMA person. I would say the MMA fighter is the superior fighter, right? When right. you when you start to me the the most open and the most even playing field is the one that has the least rules. Yeah. But by funneling that down to those specific skill sets with boxing, you create a specialized athlete. Uh, while there are skills within boxing that will transfer to MMA, even just in terms of boxing, uh, the, the, the timing and the footwork that you might use in boxing isn't necessarily what you would use in MMA. And uh, and vice versa. Sure, stance, so, distance. Right, but so I see that you know it would be great if Connor goes out there and wins. It would make MMA look that much bigger, you know. But uh, and he's got the power, and he, he's a he's a great athlete, and he's got good timing and accuracy. But I just don't see him being able to get flush on Mayweather the way that's going to be needed. It seems highly unlikely unless he old school Bernard Hopkins him. You know, remember Bernard used to fight, he used to clinch guys and just seriously sure. rough them up and clinch. And yeah. outside, he was just straight defensive. But do you really think that boxing referees are going to let that happen? No, I don't. No, I don't and there's going to be even more eyeballs on Connor to diminish that aspect because mm -hmm. they're going to be expecting him to do stuff like that anyways. Or, you know, there's I'm sure there's already, I've heard that there are elements in the contract about kicks and things right. like that. Yeah. They have to put that in there. Yeah. They would have to put that in there. If you just decide to, to haul off and kick him, then that's it. You lose all your money. Yeah, that makes sense. But I feel like if you if you looked at Connor and like his skill set, like what's what he's capable of doing like overall, I could see how he would think like, man, it's just striking. I feel like I could probably get close enough yeah. to I can get off on anybody. Sure. But that level that Floyd Mayweather's at, like to have zero professional boxing fights yeah. and then to spar with and, him. And you know, also from Connor's perspective, he's thinking, I, this is a chance to be a hero. This is another opportunity to be a hero. Uh, I have hardly anything to lose, if at all, and all to gain. I yeah. have the potential of winning. I also have a big payday, win or lose. So everything works out towards a win-win a, a situation for him. You know what would have been great if Connor could get get this stipulation. We'll only box, but we wear MMA gloves. <laughs> Very yeah, different. Yeah, well, Floyd has had issues with his hands in the yes. past, which yeah. is why he almost exclusively wears winning gloves in the yeah. ring. So that would never which are happen. Which very thick, fat gloves. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're fighting with 10-ounce gloves, too. It's a big glove. Tens, not eights? No, I don't think so. I think they the agreed upon weight was 10. See if that's huh. the case. Is that the case? Yeah. Ah, wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, interesting. I right? would have thought eights. Yeah, you want At, something a little bit Because they're like, what, 140 some pounds? Or I think they're going to fight 55. Okay. And I think, I thought 60 was the cutoff, but I'm not sure. 168 be wrong. or Maybe, 175. Yeah. Where they go to 10. Huh. But, uh, either way, much bigger than four, which is what he's accustomed to. Yeah. And I feel like if, but look, man, it's, it, Still, you know, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who's a really good jujitsu black belt and he was going to fight in MMA and he had very little sparring in terms of like MMA sparring or mm -hmm. very little uh, kickboxing sparring, almost no striking. And uh, I said, you know how you can do things to people on the ground where you get some guy who doesn't know what he's doing, you can just do whatever the fuck you want to him. I go, there's guys that can do that to you standing up. Like you got to be careful. 
Like you can't get this in your head that you're awesome at something, so you're awesome at everything. Right. Because the the t type of mentality that a person has to become, whether it's a championship level MMA fighter or a boxer, is that that focus, that intense focus. Like sometimes guys get twisted and they think that because I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion, I could be a kickboxing champion. I could be an MMA champion. I yeah. could do whatever the fuck I want to do, but. The road is long, man. The road is long. People forget all that they went through to acquire such a, a set of skills yeah. to get there in the first place. And I understand that you know, a highly, highly specialized jiu-jitsu or wrestler can go out there and experience success in MMA right away. However, like you said, they might come across that guy who is so good on their feet that they can do the whatever they want to to that guy and, and just leave them clueless and when or and you can't he, take them down yeah you know? and, or there's that where that there's that person that you're just not able you take them down once twice but they keep getting back to their feet now all of a sudden you're tired you've been pushing so much harder to, because you can't fight a, uh, a plan b or or in this other plane you have to fight within the plane that you're an expert yeah because you put all your marbles in one basket right. you're not a mighty mouse who yeah. can kind of do it all in any forum you're a, a damian maya Who's learned how to kickbox? Yes. You know, got really good at it. But when you fight Damian Maya, you know real clear what his plan is. For sure. And even still, Damian Maya has has learned to create striking that that helps mitigate other people's striking, so that he can get his best game off. Yeah. So that's still a, a type of stand-up work that he's sure. working on within that has been specialized for MMA as he fights in the UFC. Do you agree though that a guy like Conor McGregor? would have way more like i feel like the odds of floyd beating connor are extremely high in a boxing match like yeah. in the 90 high 90 percent sure right but the odds of connor beating floyd in an mma match are 100 pretty much pretty much 100 like 99.9 99999 yeah. connor would have to like really fuck up yeah he'd have to get you know chin checked yeah. doing something stupid no, where he would just not kicking right yeah he would kick the shit out of his legs this isn't this isn't a fight about who's a better fighter right this is a fight about who's a better boxer yeah and the idea that connor's just going to step in and just clang floyd with a straight left is almost as ridiculous as the idea that floyd's going to step into an mma fight and catch connor with a big punch and knock him out ray mercer tim um tim sylvia, uh, tim sylvia style i say it's more like floyd mayweather jumping in that cage and arm barring connor <laughs> you know it's like that yeah 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 catching him in a fucking rolling guillotine yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A fucking victor roll into a knee bar <laughs> He's get, hit him with an Imanari spin, <laughs> catch him with one of them crazy heel hooks. Well, you know Floyd and his heel hooks. Yeah. yeah. Well, when that was one of the crazy things when James Tony fought Randy Couture. Like, there's all these people speculating, like how sure. much James Tony's been training MMA, and then you got to see him do some stuff with like an MMA trainer, and you're like, oh, okay, he's not barely doing this. He's barely doing <laughs> this. He does not. He's not. He doesn't know anything. Well, this is crazy. And then Randy just goes out there. The low single on the ankle, yeah. the poof, just falls over <laughs> in that end of that night. Yeah, low single, Randy on top. That's a wrap. Randy was merciful, though. I mean, he punched him a few times and then just choked him. Yeah, yeah. Randy isn't really, uh, he wasn't known for being a particularly vicious competitor. Yeah, I have a feeling you probably would have treated that situation slightly differently. Yeah, I would have tried to tear him absolutely limb from limb. Not, not, not because of any particular personal animosity, just because I go out there to wreck people. 
because I want to make sure that if I'm winning, I'm winning. But if you had a guy like like a James Tony on the ground who came in from pro- professional boxing, no MMA fights, would you have it in your mind that you need to prove a point, or nope. would you have it in your mind just finish him when you can? S- smash him any yeah. way possible. You know, I chop his leg, whatever, shoot a double, blow through him, get on top, and then just start doing whatever is available. For such a nice guy and such a well-spoken guy, you enjoy hurting people in a very disturbing way. Uh, it's what I'm good at. <laughs> it's what I was, uh, it's what I, I you, learned at an early age that it was something that I excelled at. I asked you all, just in partly to see your response because I knew that you were going to get worked up about it and you were going to think about smashing him and like what you would do. I could see it in your eyes, thinking about taking him down, dropping I, elbows I love, in his face. I love, that's part of the reason why by leaving fighting, I know it's going to be tough not competing because I love going out there and in some way, it is. I was explaining this. I was actually at a philosophical lecture the other night, and because uh, I'm a big fan of philosophy. What was uh, the philosophical lecture? Well, this this lecture was on a 16 part series on uh, America, and it was this last one. Uh, this friend of mine hit me up. And she goes, "Hey, this thing's going down uh, at this 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 school. So, hey, why don't we go check it out? All right, cool." And so it had something to do with. Uh, Futurism, and I forget what else. But as the lecture was going on, people would chime in and say stuff. And so at one point, I'm, I'm listening to some of these these arguments. Some of it, I'm just going, man, you just don't really, you don't understand people that well. I mean, every a lot of these arguments always come from some idea of a base motivation from somebody, like the idea that all capitalism is theft. It's like, well, you know, you don't have to be. A horrible person to operate successfully within a capitalist system just as much as just because you create a communist system doesn't necessarily make you benevolent because as you will look you know in the soviet union and as you've had uh uh um, robert uh, or uh, jordan peterson on here and he'll tell you all of the elements of of the brutality of communist systems and then of course i remember being in the 80s and even seeing uh, slides from uh, one of my teachers who was over in uh, the Soviet Union and sneaking photos out of the USSR because they didn't want any photos of of living conditions and all these sort of things, bread lines, all that stuff brought back to the, the Western world because they felt it would make them look bad. Well, of course, because it did, you know, and people were entrenched in these systems and abusing these systems to their benefit, just like our politicians abuse our system to the, their benefit, just like all human beings will abuse a system to its benefit when given the chance to do so, either out of selfishness to the point of maliciousness or even just direct maliciousness. So the human element is the, the, the key process in all systems. They're, the, they're pretty much the cause of all systems failing, and they always will be. But when you try to create some other roundabout idea, you try to assign uh, you know, these other crazy concepts as to why, or you, know, you create these micro-group uh, ideologies, and you distill and distill and distill, and you constantly create, like with, with Marxism, it's a conflict theory. So there's always has to be some sort of oppressor. There always has to be a conflict. You know, a lot of human beings aren't out there trying to oppress people. They're just trying to get theirs. Right. And or, you know, creating their little tribes and creating what they, you know, to use a, a, a overused word, safe space for themselves that in which they understand this area. They understand these demarcations about right. this group and these people and this thing. And even this area of land at which you live in, you know, the idea of I'm going, I know I'm going off on a tangent here from our original discussion, but 
the idea of like personal property and you know you have your fence line around let's say a piece of property i was walking through joshua tree and looking at all this stuff and pondering some things and and you know that 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 property line isn't just about me owning this and keeping other people out and being and looking at it and someone wants to say oh you just want to be selfish and own and be greedy and, and dominate something and it's like well actually think about it this way that line is the same as an extension from my own personal space you know i know you so you know, you can get right in my personal space and I don't care because we've already vetted each other. We've already had a relationship. I, I, I have a, a good understanding of who you are as Joe Rogan and, and your being in the world. And you understand me to a degree as well as Josh Barnett. Versus some guy who just shows up at your house. Versus some guy, some thing, some anything that you don't know. You don't know. Versus, him. so you have this fence line is, is you, what you're doing is you're, you're creating this space that is just in a personal, it's just an extension of your own personal bubble, of your own personal safe space. And so within that, you feel like you've vetted it, you know these rocks, you know these plants, you understand the, the pluses and minuses of this area that exists. And so within this place of existence, you can be your most authentic self without any concern of the rest of the world. Now, if somebody, something was to come and want to cross that, that line, you'd want to say, well, I don't know what it is yet. So I want to vet that source and then say, okay, yeah, it's okay. I'll allow you into my, into my space, into my area. And so now you too can also be open to the vulnerability that I'm giving you because that's what it is. You know, our personal space is about our vulnerability, about the ability for someone else to, you know, interact with us physically as well as emotionally. And so even just having your little cabin with your little fence, that little yeah, fence isn't just about... you can't have that, right? And well, the, the, that would the be idea is yeah, like, Marxist ideas of no private everybody property. Everybody gets an acre. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, there's not Whatever like a lot of full-on old-school Marxists anymore. They're all pretty much neo-Marxists from right. the, as, as Peterson and other people have described, from the uh, Frankfurt schools, uh, you know, uh, uh, permeating into the academia and and going after the the superstructure instead of the base i think there's an so. undeniable aspect that you talked about before where with your ex-girlfriend at least or with some people like that we don't even have to single out her that people that are not successful in in this in the competition of life yeah seek to m diminish the success of those around them and yes yeah which well is also it's it's the, the other thing about that is the value that you create where, where, what is your values? Where, what is your value system, and and how is that going to influence you? So, if you, if your value system is based on external elements, like you know, Nietzsche talks about the 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 danger of unchecked envy. You know, envy being a life affirming element. You know, if I envy Joe Rogan and his podcast, which I do. I can see that, well, Joe was able to create this podcast. So the possibility exists So for, for a person to create a podcast and to be successful with and expand from there on out. So that envy can drive me to then work towards it because I know it's a possibility. Having unchecked envy would be to be angry at you for having that podcast and thinking that, well, you know, he's got this thing and I, I want that thing. How do I deserve it too? And, or you know, even if you don't deserve it, burn it to the ground. Why? Right. right. That's a, you that's know, a because you're so too. upset about it. But that's the lowest of self-esteem, right? The people that not only do they not think they can't compete, they don't want anyone to be sure. successful because they don't think they're ever going to be well, successful. And every day. Uh, without social through throughout social media, people are seeing man, manufactured, manicured uh, interpretations of life, and thinking and weighing themselves against that. So that's just one example of how you are using these external forces to. 
determine your value systems or, or putting value on things that are beyond your control or, or putting value in areas that are unnecessary, that are actually harmful to you. And so people, if I had to just walk away from everything, like my muscle cars and all that stuff, and <laughs> I know, I know it's a horrible thought. I have a I have some projects in, in the, that are that are going to be to completion here soon that are I'm just so looking forward to. You still driving the Challenger though? That your main oh, yeah. mode of transportation? Yeah, 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 that's my daily driver. But I'm replacing it with a 75 Formula Firebird with a Ooh. 455 that I punched Jesus. out the 470 automatic overdrive trans and Hotchkiss suspension oh. and uh, Willwood brakes all the way around on it. It's going to be fucking great. Nine inch Ford in the back. Speaking of which, Gabriel Iglesias was just on Jay Leno's Saw Garage. It. Yeah. And he's got a dope Burt Reynolds fucking smoking the Bandit yeah. Trans Am. Yeah, they do build them off Ooh. the new Camaros. Yeah, he was God loving it. Damn. But uh, Is that what his is? His is from uh, yeah. one it's of the new Camaros? Yeah, built off the new Camaro. Yeah. I just saw the picture of him uh, um, with standing with Jay next to the car. The car looks sick. It is. It is a, it's a sweet car i've seen him at sema that's so. a car that doesn't impress girls at all <laughs> that's a car only for look at that fucking thing so that's based on oh, the, the one Camaro? on the left the one on the left is a real is an old 77 one. Oh, or 78 the one on the right one. is a brand new one holy shit so there's t oh my god so they put a front new new nose piece on it they put the shaker scoop they put it and this one Whoa. he put an they put an ls3 and you know they do Pontiac, all this stuff for folks who don't know doesn't even exist dead. anymore dead I yeah. wonder if they could do that with the ZL1, that of new they ZL1. Could. They oh could do it with anything. God. You know that ZL1 is one the fastest cars to ever lap the Nürburgring? Yes. Faster than the Corvette yes. Z06, faster yes. than anything. It's incredible what, what we're doing with cars. But yeah, So if American I had to give all this shit up, right now. if I have to give all this shit up, Look I would hate that. it. That's amazing. I would hate it. Burt Reynolds not, signed it. I would it. not love it. Yeah, it's a Burt, Burt Reynolds edition. Holy shit, he signed it. Yeah. So, But if I did, truth be told. <gasps> Look at the Hurst shifter. My dick yeah. is hard as a rock. <laughs> Truth, truth be told, I can I can get rid of all these things. I can be free of all of that stuff and still have a life that makes me highly uh, happy. But it's makes not me crazy. Substantial. I know. But I don't want to. I don't want to get crazy. There's I'm, no I'm going to extremes. Those Marxists are fucking with your head, man. <laughs> They're changing your values. I know. They want to take my Firebird, my Dude, GT500, no, and all that stuff. No. But uh, you know, I can't help it that my car has more boost than yours. Yeah, you can't. But. Uh, uh, the thing is, is that it's where I, I put my values. What, 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 what is valuable to me, and what's valuable in, in living and being. So, for someone else, they they put these things on other stuff, and they they give responsibility. They, what they end up doing is transferring that power to external sources. And when you start working off of external sources as your your val as your value system, then you've taken away that power from yourself. Right, and so. Well, there's you also know. the rejection. I, I have a rejection of the idea that you can't enjoy people's creations. I think of a car as a creation. Yeah. I mean, I think of it a lot of ways as like a mass-produced piece of art. Sure. You know, what, what someone's done in creating like that uh, that new, uh, what is it, the Demon? Yeah. The Dodge Demon? Like, right, that what? Challenger that will go 960s. It goes zero to 60 in less than three seconds. Yeah. And it's a production car. And yeah. you can't drive it if it's colder than 15 degrees out. <laughs> can't drive it it's like it's such a such a fucked up car but like that to me is i'm fascinated that someone chose to make it i like the i i look at that the same way i look at them doing space exploration like right. oh that's all going to trickle down to regular cars sure you know they're going to figure out how to make tang out of this sure and and that's the thing is that these things wouldn't exist if people weren't driven to 
uh, to, to express their will to power and grow, to want to be their greatest version of themselves, to create a greater thing than the last thing, to to push that envelope. Right. And, and while it's not always going to be successful, it's the idea of creating something greater and greater and greater. Now, I mean, there's an argument with, with science that there's always a, you know, is it... Uh, Shoulda or coulda, right. you know, of course. There, of there, course. there is a, an element of ethics that has to play into that, I think, that you need to be aware of. And there's also with objects. You don't want to get obsessed and fixated on Correct. objects. But Correct. But it doesn't mean you can't enjoy a new laptop. Right. Well, and at the, I think that a lot of these these new like champagne socialist type folks, uh, they they <laughs> enjoy they enjoy these the new laptops and the new yes. iPhones and all that stuff. Yes. And it's, it's they love all the modern conveniences of of the capitalist country that we live in. And you know, if someone wanted to sit down and talk to me about the the danger the 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 elements of our society of our capitalist economy and how it it is in is in issue the issues within it now. Totally. I get it. No, our system is fucked up in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. But mm. by replacing it with, with uh, you know, some sort of a, a Marxist system, now you're just asking for... I mean, we already have enough trouble with people in power being unseatable in, in, in a sense. Like us being having a very ineffective way of really... Uh, affecting our political system and creating change within it and, and having things, you know, re re taken away, or new laws created, altered, like it's so impossible, right? But it's like, it's a system that works outside of us, even though we're supposedly the ones that can cre can control it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, you create a, a, a communist system, right? You create a full state uh, secured system. You really have no ability to affect that. Right, without you don't have some options. sort of uh, you know violent revolution, which uh, doesn't not probably in your best interest uh, with the way technology and military and all that stuff. I mean, it's just I mean, no one wants the things to get to that point, and so so they always preach a ramped down version of it, though, because like the well, there's never any. Tr by the way, there's never been a true a true communist system, or there's never been true Marxism. It's always the fucking no true Scotsman fallacy. It's like, it never happened. This never happened right. yet. And it's like, what the fuck do you think the, the, the Soviets were doing? What do you think that the Maoists, they, they all thought they were doing it, right? right? You know, but it, and even then when you go to look at China nowadays, well, they got all these capitalist elements within it that are making their economy just fucking flush with money. So flush with money that they're, they're like, oh, I don't want to give it to the government. So they send it all over to Vancouver and buy up all these houses and, and stuff Beverly like Hills. that. And then have their, have their like, teenage kid live there. All over Hollywood, even Bel Air. Right. A lot of, uh, lot of Asian money, a lot sure. of uh, money from Saudi Arabia as well. Right. And, you know, yeah. uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, you're talking theocracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're worried about their money getting taken away over there. So they sure. buy, buy real estate over here. Yeah. And also it's very valuable. It like, keeps going up. It's a good investment. And when you're making trillions of dollars by sucking oil out of the ground. Sure, sure, sure. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, the, the thing about all this stuff is that, that the, when the, if you give people the, the most opportunity to be free, you're also giving them the most opportunity to be shitty. Yeah. And you have to accept that. You just have to accept that some people are just going to be fucking assholes. Some people are going to be shitty. Some people are going to try and create a system that, that you're not going to like, that's going to reward others for things that you don't think it should. But right. You're always going to get those hedge fund dudes. You're always going to get those guys who have those gigantic estates in the Hamptons and yeah. fuck people well, over. You know, and my, my ex-girlfriend uh, graduated with a, with a physics degree, didn't use it. 
Okay, fine. But you spent all this money to go to that school, and should it have cost that much money? Should should the rates on loans be with there? I don't think so. I think no. that's that's a real scam. You you know you didn't probably understand. We were ill-equipped to understand, like all of us were when it came to school. Yeah, when you're um, 18, you yeah. don't know what the fuck we that means. We didn't really understand how how what a what a racket it was at the time. So I, you know, I, I totally feel for her there. And then, so then she goes and she gets a different job doing something else, but made her great money. But she hated it, didn't like it, what didn't want to be in that. All right, so then chose to fight and do like you know personal trainer stuff, and then would always gripe about how she didn't make enough money. And it's like, well. <laughs> You could do, okay, well, then how about this? You you charge X amount per hour normally. Well, how about you set a limit to where you get to X amount of people, and then once you go over that, now you double the, the, the fee because it's not really worth it to you anymore, is it? So you create uh, an increase, and you, you, you see what your, what your minimum is, and then over that, and if people are willing to pay it, then they pay it. Well, I couldn't do that. That would be that would be unethical to charge these people double what I'm charging these people or whatever. It's like, well, okay then. How about you create a class schedule set up and you, you iron out some time here. We're and very of, specific here. Instead of teaching one person, you teach five people, but then you charge them, you know, two thirds what you charge. And it's just like, well, I could, it's like, well, okay. If you, at the end of the day, we have to do what we need to do to pay our bills and do these things and do whatever, but we also have to determine how we acquire those bills to what, what our expenses are going to be. And if we can't create a system that supports that, then we have to reevaluate that and then change appropriately. The one thing we can't do is just be upset, you know, and, and but that's the, what people like to do. Of course, because they would like it to be. Oh well, I can do this, or I can do. I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. It's like well, nobody. Sh it's you, fun, can, you can. You can do these bitch. things. You People can do just these love things. To bitch and just chase their tail, go around in circles. Freedom, uh, being truly free, in let's just say in an existential sense, means that you have to take responsibility for all these actions. But it's also all on you to find your own success, and that means you're going to fail. That means you're going to struggle. That means all these difficulties are going to happen. But I, I personally believe that through struggle and, and these difficulties, that's where growth comes as well. Well, the question is, what's the alternative? The alternative is what? You sit around and complain whenever someone else is more successful than you? you sit around and complain that you're not making enough money? You sit around and complain that the deck, deck is stacked against you? You sit around and complain that you didn't use your education? Sit around and complain that in your field of choice Correct. you didn't succeed? Well, here's the other thing. A lot of people then want to find somebody who is the reason for their downfall. Yeah. This thing is what's keeping me from uh being successful that's the boyfriend <sighs> i wasn't you know i everything ass. i did was to help you're you know i did as much you're in as the i way, could bro. you're too big <laughs> talk too much shit you're yeah. too opinionated too smart i'm tired um, of it yeah i i i put it you know at, at the end of the day you know fuck i got you know i got completely betrayed and, and cheated on for months <laughs> in the end of it well so it's just like oh well you know I, I put all this investment into trying to help this other person and create a life with them only to get completely screwed over in the end but at i'm the sorry end of the to day, hear about that but we're getting super personal here yeah it's true but but what it comes down to also is that when you look at these kind of things you have to say well okay well what would i have done differently and you should be like for the most part, you shouldn't have done anything differently. You know, when you invest in somebody else, when you do for somebody else, you don't do it for the return or for what you think you're going to get out of them. You do it because you're doing it because it, it is what you believe is the right thing to do. And then to be, you know, you can be upset about 
other the way things have turned out. You can be upset about like, well, you know, ethically, I think you did this or you did that, and you, you can be upset about those things. But then to it's just like whenever you come across that person that just has nothing but shitty things to say about their right. ex, like it's probably you. Oh, dude. You know, for me, I could be like, nah, I, I thought my ex was the greatest woman I'd ever met, and she absolutely possessed qualities that uh, aligned with that. But she also had some really terrible ones that ended up being. You know, real right, horrible. Whenever you meet someone and all they do is complain about their exes, it's usually there's usually right. a little of them and what they're saying but, too. But see that that's just you know this is just human beings in their own existence, and so be it their relationship, be it their business, be it you know all these things are are all stemming from the same elements within themselves. Now they are subject to other you know, very specific elements to like. Things that so, are so when you, what to you a mean relationship. By, like what kind of elements? Well, okay. When it comes so to so you had a point to like what's the for most people like what's the the big factor in not getting their shit together? Uh, the big factor in not getting their shit together is not coming to terms with their own inefficiency, uh, failures, or inability to accomplish a certain task, and looking outside of that for a reason versus looking internally to see like I didn't have enough. Uh, skill to do X, Y, to do this thing, or I didn't put in enough time to acquire the skill to do that, or I made a mistake here that cost this. When it comes to relationships, you know, it's there, what, where it lives, where the difficulty lies there can be specific to different emotional elements, you know, versus your work, versus uh, how you even find time to make the most out of your, your leisure time. You know, these are the, every every situation has its own subjectivity to it, based on these other external factors that that change from each situation. But ultimately, everything's stemming from you, anyways. So your way of approaching these things and dealing with these problems and how you let them affect you. And I'm not just talking about being a complete stoic and being just cold and unaffected, unaffected and unfeeling. It's just about having these things happen and then what do you do about it you know how do you also how do you measure that metric if you have the greatest year of your life and then you have you know an hour that's super shitty in traffic did that become and that really stuck with you and someone hit your car and your you know my challenger's got a dent in it and it's like oh did i really have the worst day ever or did i just have an hour of an aggravation that sucked, but ultimately, how can that, if I allow that to take away from everything that happened up to that point, then, you know, I just assigned all this value into this one moment. Right. That right. really now, was unnecessary. You train a lot of fighters. Like yeah. You, you work with, do you, do you sit down and talk to them about this kind of shit as yes, well? Yes, 100%. Is this a big part of like how you like think about it as a program? For sure. Because whoever I take under my wing, I don't just train people to train them. Um, I don't, them being fighters is one piece of their life, one element, one, honestly, eventually it'll be, it'll be a small element, but it, but it has a lot of impact and meaning. I mentor people when I work with them. I'm trying to help them visualize and achieve their greatest state of being from what they can get. Now, fighting may be a vehicle to help try to achieve that, but ultimately, they're living their life and they have a they have something that they're trying to accomplish with that. And so for me, I'm trying to help them realize what that is. 
And that's going to be different from uh, for other people just as much as you can't coach everyone the same way. Everybody needs something a little different in terms of what they're trying to achieve. And people want to achieve different things. Of course, they've got this they have this element of fighting and success within fighting that, that is a bond, that is a similarity amongst the rest of them and even amongst me. But beyond that, that changes from there on out. So, um, I, you know, just recently I've been working with Travis Brown. You know, people are like, holy fuck, you guys are your homies? What the hell happened? And it's just the thing was is that Travis uh, was tr had tried to get in touch with me through uh, Marina before. Like, hey, he'd really like to, he really wants to talk to you. And I'm just like, uh, okay, I wonder what he wants to talk about. And this is like uh, over a year ago, I think. And then, but for one reason or the other, we weren't able to ever cross paths. But through that time, it would keep coming back. He really wants to, he really like to, he really like to, really like to see you. Not just text you, not just chat with you on the phone, but actually see you. Okay. You know, that already says something to me that that already has a lot more meaning. And so sure enough, I meet up with him this this one time at a coffee shop and he just wanted to sit down man to man, eye to eye and just uh, go over like any of the beef that we had had and, and make his statements, any apologies and, and, and anything that I might have to say and any apologies. And I was like, holy fuck, you know, a man that uh, I, I use man, I'm not trying to be specific, but any person that is willing to sit down and be accountable and hear somebody else's side and just show up and be like, look, man, I'm not looking for something from you, but I'm trying to be open and, and deal with whatever this this is out here. Put it to bed. Yeah. It, That's it very means, admirable. Exactly. It is such a rare commodity. And how long ago did this happen? Uh, maybe about six months ago. And he's and got a fight schedule right that's now. That's right. right? Well, maybe fighting? it was even a little more than six months ago. He's fighting uh, Alexi Olenek. And so he hits me up. He goes, hey, I would love it if you could help me out. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Like, fuck yeah, I'll be there. And so I, I drove out to Vegas with uh, one of my guys, Shohei Yamamoto, who was getting ready for his, uh, the Kyokushin kid, uh, his fighting uh, locally here in CXF. So I'm like, I'm going to finish this kid's camp out here, away from everybody else, and I'm going to help you out at the same time. Cool? Cool. So he put us up in his place. Uh, we would go and we'd train twice a day. Uh, I would work with him on grappling. I would spar with him and, you know, just take on that role of coach alongside Ricky Lundell and Ray Seffo. And he's a fantastic student. When did he start working with Ray? Uh, I think he's been working for, with Ray for about a year now. About a year, I think. That's and a good move. He's kicking again. Thank he's throwing God. knees, which is great. Yeah, a guy six foot seven. He's six foot seven knee. and moves like yeah. Dominic Cruz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he was not... Sorry, Dominic. But I mean, <laughs> when he was at his best for a heavyweight, there's no one who moves like him. He was, he's very agile on his feet. Yeah. He's got great, great quickness, good, uh, and he's got great reach, good power. Uh, hell, I should know. And uh, the thing is, uh, he, he was having, he just didn't feel that he was getting what he best needed. So he made a, a change. And even still, for fighting someone like Alexi, he felt that, oh, well, having a, a guy that was, a good grappler and also good at that head and arm position, which Alexi likes, um, to have someone come in here and work with him in these very specific areas. But you know, for me, it's like, well, if you want me to be here, I'll, I'll be here and I'll, I'll help you in, in any way I can. And so I would work with him while we're sparring. We would do situational stuff. And uh, you know, he was just like a sponge and watching him get better every day and, and having some other uh, guys around to help and be bodies too. And it ended up being great. It also was great for Shohei because I was able to uh, – put him in a very 
isolated environment and keep his focus so razor sharp. And he went and knocked his guy out in 22 seconds who was undefeated. That's awesome. So uh, so now it's, you know, Travis is in town doing some press stuff, and I'm going to try and link up with him as much as possible and just keep working with him. And the thing is, he's guys like that, I mean, they're already physical. They already have fights under their belt. They already accomplished. It With them, it's about nuance. So are you going to be like his head coach? Uh, there's discussion of that. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. I mean, but the reality is, is that I, I just need to do whatever it is I can do to help him and his team and be a part of all that. And, you know, whether I'm a head coach or a assistant coach or I, I don't, I don't really care. doesn't matter what the title is. I just, I just need help. to be in there right. uh, in the trenches with these guys, putting our heads together and, and helping Travis be the best he can be as as a fighter. And and even then, while through these training sessions, you know, you're teaching somebody about getting out of a move, you're teaching somebody about doing a move. But wrapped in that whole bubble is, okay, you're having a hard time right now, yeah? Yeah, okay. That's okay because you're still moving forward. Don't worry about how difficult it is. There, sometimes this is going to be hard as shit. Other times things will work just like that. It doesn't matter. The matter is you got to keep going, you got to keep moving forward, you got to keep fighting, you got to keep working. And you then went, you know, from from one position it's like, well, you can't afford to be here at all. So no matter how hard it is, you got to get out. But you can rest over here. Or it's like uh, you know, this 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 training session was super fucking hard. That's great. If you're not pushing yourself into your absolute exhaustion now, how do you think you're going to perform when it's at its utmost? So you know? he wasn't getting that. No, no, no. I, I think he, it's just, I'm just throwing out examples, right. but it's just about working with him on a mental level too and getting his mind in that best state to then best use those physical capabilities because ultimately, in my opinion, mental is the most important aspect when it comes to fighting. How you approach these things, your mentality towards each individual skirmish within that that fight that eventually leads to either your success or your failure and um that is always that's always the thing it's like whether i could teach someone to throw a kick this way or kick that way or you know there's always a way to make something work you know maybe there are some techniques that are more low percentage than others especially but there'll always be a guy that can make it work you know however your mental the way you approach a fight mentally is the fucking thing that is the hardest thing to hone. The hardest thing to, to change over. The hardest realizations to create is all in terms of how you mentally approach a fight, how to control your nerves or how to over, look you at your about writing this out like as a book? Yeah, I do. I think about writing. I, I think about writing I think in terms of fighting. I think about writing in terms of philosophy. I think about maybe doing um, you know, speaking engagements, stuff like that, you know, talking I mean, like about. If you sat down and, and came up with like sort of a comprehensive step by step for, for young fighters, that would be like super valuable. Maybe. I, I don't know. I guess if you, if you come you up with a step by step. Sure, you could do that. And uh, which, of course, is going to be just like you said, framework. Yeah, give them tools to fall back on if they're in a certain situation. This is something you can call on. This is something you can think about if you find yourself stuck. This is the mindset. Instead of just swimming out there, sure, freaking out and treading water and trying to figure out how long you can do it for, have a very specific mindset that you adopt or that you take on when you're in a bad spot. Sure, and and a lot of uh, drills and things that I'll create for, for fighters are based on creating comforts. And, and familiarity to where things get too 
a point where you're not thinking about it anymore, but you're you're so comfortable and in that moment, in that space, that you can react and act easily, the as, as most easily as possible. And also, once you end up in a position that is even that is uh, negative to you, that is uh, detrimental, how to then work your way through it and still do so with comfort. Like I loved watching Liz Carmouche on Rhonda's back because Rhonda stayed so so calm that that's how she was able to work her way through it fight that arm off her head keep in good position and eventually work her way out of it instead of seizing up and possibly you know locking in place and then Liz being able to finish that face lock or that choke what did you think about that Kevin Lee Kiasa fight I didn't watch it you didn't watch it no how dare you I I, I know I, I'm a fighter that doesn't really watch fights it is a crazy ending well, so I heard. Yeah, Kevin Lee took Kiesa's back, which is Kiesa's thing, right? Yeah. And he took his back, sunk the choke in, Kiesa fought off, he went palm to palm. Kiesa like, was trying to gut it out, he says, and Mario Yamasaki steps in and stops it before he taps. I wouldn't have done that. No one does that, especially to a choke. It's one thing if a guy's arm is snapped and you see it broken right. and then you call the fight. Right. But this is not that. This is, and he's saying that he thought he went out. It's just 100% poor officiating. I mean, I haven't seen any sure. argument from anybody on the right side. I mean, on in terms of uh, people that are either work for the UFC, trainers, fighters, even jujitsu athletes. Yeah. Everybody says should like, let him go is, out. You got to let him go out. It's not, I agree. It's not a bad thing. But uh, for nah, people who knows who don't what know, he'd be dreaming about. For people who don't know, it's not you don't get. It's not like getting knocked out. Yeah, he could have been dreaming about shut off. being with two chicks. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt you, is my point. For people who don't understand what we're advocating, it's not like let a guy get knocked out. Well, when you get knocked out, it's not good. But right. when you get choked out, it's almost nothing. It literally is almost nothing. Pretty much. It's, it, it, it's it, a little... Your, your neck's going to be sore. Yeah, you're, for sure. And I don't, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I, I know Mario. I've known him for a long time. and uh, He just made a mistake. I, I, and that's the thing. You know, referees are human. They all... Look... It's a fucking very hard job. He probably thought Kiesa went out. He thought he saw. Here we can get, take a look at it. Here, let's let play the whole thing back from the beginning, Jamie, so you can see that. I can only get it. From okay, here. just okay. Go from there. So he's get it. Yeah. He locks it on the neck. Sure. He's got the Kiesa's body triangle. Kiesa's fighting. It peels it off, and then Kevin locks the body tri trial triangle down tighter. I see it. Yeah, yeah. Gets that palm to palm, and look at this. See, he's fighting it off. And look, he's not out at all. He's no. like, I didn't tap. What the fuck? I didn't tap. I think that's a bullshit stoppage. And it's not, Mar you know, look, Mario made a mistake, but it's a bullshit stoppage, 100%. I can't even imagine anybody defending that stoppage. There's uh, no reason. Well, it's not like you know why they're going to defend it? Because if you don't defend your th making that stoppage. He's uh, crazy. Well, he I understand mistake. that, but, but people don't want to... Uh, <laughs> they don't want to admit they, they don't want to accept any blame. Let's watch because it one more accepting time. blame may See, he's in he's gotten it out. Yeah. He's he's gotten it out, man. It, like people don't realize it takes a lot of effort to squeeze that. Palm to palm in particular using a lot of muscle. There's not a whole lot of it's not the same kind of leverage that you get when you do the well, traditional I see I see his, 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 his hands kind of, you know, up in the air here, but I mean you can still grab you could touch the guy's arm. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're stiff. Yeah. yeah, he's still resisting, and you do, you don't have to. It's not like strikes where you have to have your hands up covering yourself. 
Like, to resist it, he can resist by just really flexing his neck. It's not smart. And Tyron Woodley had the best commentary on this, honestly. He was on that uh, UFC uh-huh. uh, panel show. Sure. And he's like, look, you shouldn't, he goes, you shouldn't be in that position in the first place. You shouldn't be defending it like that with your hands like that. And you shouldn't have let that guy get of his course. arm under your chin like that. All Correct. those things are bad technique, and he's dead right. Yeah. He's dead right. The whole thing's kind of crazy. I mean, yeah, but he, he just took let a beating come, I mean, before that. that. Was, he took a beating before that. This is one of the things you don't get in the context of this. As he was getting shellacked. Yes, because Kevin Lee had his back, and while he had his back, see if you can find that. Well, I, I mean, I can see that he's cut. Oh, he's he, been bleeding. He had know. his back, and he was beating the fuck out of him from behind with his back, just bang, 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 while he's back riding him. He beat the shit out of him before that. So he's probably stunned. And you know, I'm also of the of the the sort that sees guys that are getting hit in the four point position, turtle position. You know, guys are swinging on them, and they've got their arms up and they're covered. Like often, a lot of times, they're like, just keep let it go. Like yes. you're not you're not getting through. But refs will see like, oh, it looks bad. And we're stopping. It's like, but he's not really getting hit. I agree with you, hundred percent. I think there's been many fights where fights were stopped quick when a guy was covered up where there's nothing else he could do but yeah. cover up. What else is he going to do? Yeah, the guy's swinging on him, but he can't can't land a, a successful. The only reason that guy is flurrying so hard, really, I mean, well, not the only, but the main reason is probably because he thinks the ref's going to stop it. Exactly. Beyond that, he wouldn't put that kind of effort into it unless he's just completely losing his shit and being like, "Oh fuck, it's changed." Yeah. I mean, it's and he's not thinking about it, which could come back to haunt him. Like I've seen a lot of times, in old, 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 old school fights, guys even in mount just try to unload on a guy, and the guy survives it, reverses it, and eventually he gets his. And, it, and it's done. You know, Shane the guy, Carwin, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. Shane Carwin beat the fucking shit out of Brock Lesnar for a full round. Got on top of him, full mount. Yep. Dropping bombs on him. Yep. Somehow or another, Brock Lesnar survives, takes Shane down the second round, submits him quick. Yep. It happens. You got to let fights play out. But I think in that situation, it's there's no argument for stopping the fight. Because it's not like strikes. Like there, there could be an argument where Brock Lesnar is on the bottom and he's not moving enough, and maybe some people who are a little bit more cautious might have stopped that fight. But there's sure. no argument to stop that fight. I don't think that the fight should have been stopped. Uh, I also so think that Michael Kiesa needs to do a better job of not letting yes. guys get under his chin. Yeah. But yeah. what do you what do you do about that? If you're the commissioner, if you're the king of the world, do do uh, I make think it a if no you're contest? A com- I think if you're a commissioner, you uh, I don't know. Uh, you, I kind of feel like you have to keep him, give him the win. It's hard to reverse something like that. It's a mistake that the referee fucked up for sure. He stopped the fight, but he stopped the fight based on a, and this is where I'm going to go against myself, a very advantageous position that was as close to finalizing and finishing as you can discern, where a guy's no longer defending with his hands. He's hanging in there. I mean, I think Mario fucked up because he didn't let it get to 10, but he let it get to 9. It got to 9. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, too. He was so locked into that choke. Can't take his victory away. I feel like you can't take Kevin Lee's victory away. Me, too. Uh, it's just no good. There's, yeah, there's no good. good that comes of that. It's not good. But, uh, Do you give him an immediate rematch? I think that's the move. That's exciting. That's a good yeah, move. Yeah, I, I could see that. If there, but here's the thing. you know, This is prize fighting. Right. Is there the interest? All right, then make is. it happen. I think there is. Then make it happen. Because you're going to make money. The promoters got to make money on it. Yeah, I think that's a good fight to have in Detroit because I think they're going to do a UFC in Detroit. I heard I'm scheduled to do a isn't UFC uh, isn't Detroit having a UFC basically every night? <laughs> no, I think it's different. It's like uh, it's more like a battlecade. <laughs> <laughs> Old school. 
John oh. Peretti's just hanging around saying, like, oh, John it's so Pre- sexy. Yeah. Such a sexy choke. Say that. He's riding him like a pony. <laughs> <laughs> Most people John, have no idea what oh, we're talking about. I, I have partied with John Peretti. That is, I love John Peretti's commentary. Oh, it's, it's, I just enjoy him. It's fantastic. I mean, and, you know, him, he brought a lot of uh, really good fighters to the world of MMA. He did. He had a great eye for picking talent. He he was the guy that found found Andrei Arlovsky. Igor Zinoviev, Mario Sperry. Maurice Smith. Maurice Smith, yeah. Yeah. Matt Hume. Yeah. Well, I was going to bring up Sakuraba. Like, when Sakuraba fought Conan in the UFC, that was the first time we ever saw a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt get submitted. Right. We were like, we thought they were invulnerable. Well, and and up to that point, and the fight before that, uh, he clipped Sakuraba with a good shot. Sakuraba drops in on a single and then Big John accidentally stopped the fight right but then they let him fight again yes which is the craziest fucking thing ever like they would never do that no, today no never that's crazy I forgot about that that is a very very unusual and on that very night uh, Randy Couture beat Marie Smith uh, for the UFC heavyweight title and his mm. his tights got torn so you could see his his like speedos underneath that, that Randy was wearing. And Wasn't so that he, when Frank Shamrock also beat Kevin Jackson? Yep. Armbar. Oh, in like right. 20 seconds. With shoes on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Old school, man. I loved it. That was the first UFC. That's when I quit. I quit at that UFC. I'm like, I'm not going to Japan. That's when I quit. The, back in the old days. When uh, I was doing the post-fight interviews. Did, didn't we do one uh, back in the day? On the uh, on like the graffiti brick wall thing? Yeah, we did something, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, you know what, when you won the title, I was there, but I wasn't working for the UFC. Mm -hmm. I was just watching. And uh, that was back when I was just uh, friends with Dana, and I was was just going to the events and and enjoying them. I Mm -hmm. I watched you fight Randy from like, I think I was like six feet away. I think I was like front row. Back in the day, Josh Barnett. (laughs) Back in the fucking day, man. Babyface assassin with less scars and a lot less gray hair. Dude, I remember you fighting in Hawaii. Yep, Super Brawl. Yeah. Dude. Dan Severn and that eight-man tournament that I won that had all those dudes in it. Abu Dhabi champion Rico Rodriguez and uh, John Marsh, uh, Travis Fulton. I think he only had like 115 <laughs> fights at that point. <laughs> How much does Travis have now? Doesn't he have like 300 fights? I don't know, Something man. insane? Jeremy Horn I always thought was insane because he had like 150. And then you find out about Travis. Dan Severn's know. got like 100. Does he? Yeah. Like 100 victories or Isn't he still fights? fighting? I don't think so. He's, done, he's been doing a little bit of pro wrestling, but no fighting. He had a very gray, blurry line between fighting and <laughs> pro wrestling, to put it charitably. There was like some... some there was a couple that, yeah, that, like, that people mm, had called it into question. A couple of Dakotas in there. Really. Like, hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, it's amazing that he kept it up as long as he did, but that was because of his solid wrestling. You know? Well, that he's just like a, a real serious competitor. Yeah. You know, He had that competition streak that would allow him to continue to drive and, and perform like that. But as he got older, you know, the wrong matchups could be a guy he'd never even heard of. And it's like, oh, shit, Dan Severn just got shellacked. Yeah. Well, when you look back at your initial fights in, in MMA, like in Super Brawl, and then entering into the UFC, which is like, when was your first fight in the UFC? What year? Uh... T- 2001? Yeah. See, that was when I was or 2000. not working with them yet. That was when uh, Well, I it was quit. UFC 28. Yeah. Gam McGee. And then UFC 30 was Pedro Hizzo. 32 was Sam Schilt. 34 was Bobby Hoffman. 30s. You fought Pedro Hizzo when Pedro Hizzo was Pedro Hizzo. Yep. 
Dude, I, we showed a clip yesterday of Pedro Hizzo leg kicking some guy and making him fly through the air. Some journalist <laughs> holds the pad on his leg, yeah. and Pedro leg kicks him, and the guy's legs literally go upside down, where his legs are above his head. He goes flying. He's such a cool dude, man. It's just like seeing him over all, over all the years, training at his gym in, in Brazil when I was down there. He came and picked me up. Uh, picked up me and, and, and my ex, and we we went out there, trained with this guy, uh, Master Leitao, who is uh, one of the... Was this before or after your second fight? Uh, after our second fight. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were down there, me and my ex, and, uh, and, and we're down there to help corner Shayna in her last fight in the UFC. It was in Brazil against uh, Nunes. And while we're down there, it's like, hey, I, I still want to get in training. And I want to train with all the, the Luta Livre, like catch-derived guys that I can. And so, yeah, wet, we trained with uh, Master Leitao for a while. And Pedro just let us use his gym. And we, we would sit there and talk. And I go, you know, one of the things about Pedro, I go, he he taught me how to throw the counter right hand even better than, than I'd ever known. And that pivot step and they hit it from the other angle because he knocked me the fuck out with it. And it was so beautiful in the replay. I'm like, oh, I need to learn that. <laughs> I got to learn that. That's too. And, and Pedro would just laugh about it. And he goes, oh, well, you know, you got me. I go, eh, who gives a shit, man? We were too busy having fun. Would you caught him with a left hook, right? Uh, I caught him with a counter right hand. Did you? <laughs> over his jab. And I saw him stumble a little bit. And I charged forward. And then with a running left hook, yeah. Um, because I saw uh, the window of opportunity to, 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 get, to get in there. I'd already stunned him. Uh, and so to a degree, I'm like, thanks, Pedro. Thanks, Did Pedro. he have the hardest leg kicks you've ever felt? Uh, Crow Cop. Crow Cop? Really? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Well, I would, I would imagine, I mean, if anybody. Okay, here's, a, here's a, just a Crow Cop story. So it's me and Mirko and Eric Paulson, and we're training in Vegas. Uh, I think, I, I don't know if I was doing commentary on that show or if I was fighting Pavel Natsulo. Either way, we're training at this gym in Vegas, and Mirko came out, so we're rolling around and training together and having a good time. And, and I think I was fighting. And so and, uh, Paulson's holding pads for me, and Mirko's like, ah, do this with your left hook instead. All right, how about, nah, that's not it. Nah, no, no, no. Here, let me show you. Here, you hold the pad. So Paulson's got this full-on tie pad, leather tie pad, and he's holding it for Mirko's right hook since, you know, we're talking lead hook, essentially. Right, right. So Mirko's like, no, I want you to do this. You know, you, you're doing it like X, so I need you to do it like this. So watch. Ah, and he hits this, he right hooks this pad, this tie pad, Goes, it tears the straps off of Paulson's arm, and it goes flying across the room and hits the wall and bounces off the wall and falls on the fucking ground. And everyone's just like, <gasps> and Paulson's just, he's, his hand is still like this, and he looks at me and he looks at uh, Mirko, and Mirko's just like, Neh. and and I just, everybody's just, it's just silence. Wham, flap, blam. I just went. See, I I took that. That that's what I was getting hit with, and I still managed to stay on my feet because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah, Jesus. I just Christ. remember thinking, "How the fuck?" This guy is just at his best. It's just absolute pure, like explosive power, just just destruction. Yeah. Well, you he know? broke Bob Sapp's eyeball in the K one fight. Remember that? Yeah, dude. He crushed people with, with those high kicks. His middle kick was so dangerous to me. His middle and his low kick were the most dangerous because I felt like you could you could you could see you could more read the high kick, but if you read the high kick or if you were too too def too set up to defend the high kick, if he ripped you in your body, that's your ribs. Pull if he that chopped picture. that leg. 
Heath Herring um, versus Crow Cop, where Crow Cop's kicking him in the body, and Crow Cop's shin is like halfway to his spine. I think he, that was only one kick, too. Yeah. One kick, and it was like, f- boom. But it's when you see the penetration of that kick, you realize, yeah. like, that's insane. And he had a Taekwondo background that helped him. To, but, but, you know, a guy like that, you could have gave him fucking, you could have had him doing anything, and he's just going to be a beast, you know? Well, he had just such ferocious, ferocious explosive power. Yeah. Remember his stare down with Vanderlei? Probably the best stare down of all time. First time Vanderlei got outstared. <laughs> you know, Vanderlei's like doing the crazy eyes, and Mirko's just staring at him like a fucking evil predator. And the two of them looking at each other, I'm like, I got to give that one to Krokop. I can't even believe this. <laughs> well, think about Krokop. Krokop, yeah. that guy motherfucker was yeah. in war. Here's, look at that kick. Ugh. Fuck. Jesus Christ. I mean, that is deep into his body and yeah. right right where his liver is. That's uh. a insane power kick. That's that left leg. Yep, and he was the first one to flatline Vandalay too. Remember that? Uh. When he head kicked Vandalay? Yeah, oh, I that especially was do fought- because uh, I was... I was watching that fight because my next, because I was going to go fight Noguera after that. So I'm sitting here hoping that these guys beat the shit out of each other. And he goes out there and just fucking crushes them. So now I'm just sitting here thinking, God damn it. That dude spent two minutes of beating the hell out of this guy. And now I got to go out and fight Noguera. How crazy is the chin on Mark Hunt? He gets fucking head kicked Ooh. full on. He goes down and gets right back up. Oh, there's an OVF. Here's the Vandalay one. Clang. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ridiculous speed and power. And because of the fact that he had that traditional martial arts background, he didn't step before he threw that kick a lot of times. He just threw it, and you didn't see it coming. That like, one just goes over the top of the glove. And that's right leg. Yeah. That's right leg hospital, left leg cemetery. Oh, <laughs> body. Yeah. Done. Dude. Now, in that fight, I remember he hit Mark Hunt with it a couple times, but yeah. he just... Well, he dropped him with it in one of the fights. In K1, the yeah. The K1 fight, yeah. But not... Not in the, the in the MMA fight, Mark Hunt actually won yeah. that one. Yeah. Oof. Well, that was Minotaro took yep. it on the chin. That, that was another a guy. That, that Carwin? No, wait. That's, no, uh, that's uh, uh, that uh, Ron Waterman. Ron Waterman. There you go. Bonk. Boink. Minotaro was one of those guys that was almost like too tough for his own good when he was younger. Well, that's why. Ooh, axe kick. That's why when he got towards the end of his career, he was just getting knocked out left and right yeah. because he had taken he had lived on his chin for so long that he could no longer take a shot. Yeah. Anymore. And that's honestly, it's not that uncommon. Uh, oof. Fujita get need. Yeah. Oh. Has he got a crazy Boom. highlight reel? <laughs> you forget sometimes how insane the highlight reel of Mirko Krokop is. I well, mean, people in the, oof, Alexander, yeah. people in, in the UFC never really saw, they didn't see this guy. No. You know what I mean? No, he was in Pride. Well, I, I still maintain to this day that, like, Pride was some of the most exciting and spectacular fights in the early days of MMA by far. They Agreed. had some insane matchups, and especially because it was a big percentage of it was the heavyweight division. It was a huge percentage of what well, and, were... and the stage that they set for yeah. us to compete on was 90, incredible. 90,000 people, Saitama yeah. Super Arena. Ugh. It was Ooh. fighting in front of, I, I mean, I was fighting in front of people, like 40,000 people every time I went out there. Just wish it could have maintained. I they loved could it. Have. I was a fan of it when when I was even working for the UFC. I was always a big Pride fan. I'm like, look, this room for everybody. It's, of course, you know. And the thing is, there. people that were by having Pride, it, it, it opened up eyes. I would always say, like having another company with a different flavor, maybe it'll draw in other other uh, 
fans that wouldn't maybe necessarily be a fan of the UFC, but they like the way that Pride did it. And so yeah. that would get them interested in MMA, and therefore then they might also say, okay, well, maybe I will give this UFC stuff a try. Maybe, well, I like this one fighter, uh, so I'll watch when he's on. You know, it just yeah. it expands the market. It doesn't diminish it. I think and, that's the same thing with Bellator. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I think that what what's good about Bellator is that they're developing real world class talent now. Michael Chandler, you know, Michael Venom Page. Now Rory's over there. Yep. I mean, there's world class talent there. You know, it's true. And uh, you know, you had Mitrione fight Fyodor, which yeah, crazy, you know, right? you know, crazy match. Yeah, double knockdown, that and then Mitrione gets up first. I mean, it's crazy, crazy thing you can't can't plan for. Or so a guy like Fedor, when you see him at this stage of his life, and you see uh, him getting KO'd again, what? What are your thoughts on that when you watch that? It, it sucks to see that that's the case. I mean, I love Matt Mitrione too, man. He's a he's a great dude. I, I train him when I can, and uh, he's you know, a I was glad guy. to see him. You know, get that victory. It's a massive victory for as him. A, as was I. But, but I'm a I'm a friend, and I have been a friend of Fyodor's for such a long time. It, it's it's it sucks to see him not doing well. You're even saying his name right. Uh, <laughs> it's a big commitment. Yeah, it's like Fyodor. Everybody else says Fedor. Yeah. yeah. But Fyodor. you gotta get you gotta Fyodor. get fancy on us, huh? right? Like Dostoevsky, it's Fyodor Dostoevsky, yeah. not Fedor. Well, what does everybody say instead of Dostoevsky? <laughs> <laughs> I think they just How don't they say, say anything. They're like the F D. What's the correct pronunciation? Dos Dos Dostoevsky. 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 It's a Dostoevsky. Isn't it weird how languages like develop like they're, they're totally different kind of sounds? Like, uh, you know, English has certain sounds. Sure. Russian has these, like, very specific noises that you have to And then you go to, like, tonal languages, oh, like yeah. uh, Thai or, oh. or Vietnamese. Oh, man. Or Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So interesting. You know, and um, uh, Steve Rinella, again, was here, and he had been in uh, Guyana. Mm -hmm. And they had these uh, interviews they did with these local people that were speaking in their native tongue. And it's like this really strange, ancient language. It doesn't sound like anything else. It's really cool to hear. It's like, wow, you. this might be like what Mayans sounded like. Huh. Yeah, really freaky. Well, when I was in Romania, language. they were some some of the, I don't, I don't know the truth on this stuff. Uh, I haven't done the research. So up to your listeners to go follow up. That they were saying, the Romanians have said that they have found texts and, and, and archaeological findings that would show... Uh, a language that was not a romance language that still possessed words that existed in modern-day Romanian and that the idea that perhaps that ro the Romanian language was older than Latin. Whoa. So, but they also had uh, the... Also went to the, uh, the Palace of Vlad the Impaler in, in the middle of uh, Bucharest, which was awesome. Oh, wow. You got to see that guy's house? Yeah. What yeah, and like go. That's all dug underground in certain, and uh, so that you know, keep it cool. For people don't know who Vlad the Impaler was, he was a guy who like literally would put people on sticks and then eat in front of them. He would stick sticks through their assholes, out put them mouth. on spikes, yeah. out their mouth, and then have them all lined up around him while he sat down and ate. <laughs> he also took the uh, the merchants or the, the these guys that he felt had been. Uh, like cheating and, and scamming the Wallachian, the, the area that he was in in Romania, Wallachia, the, the people, and really getting super rich off their backs in a way that they, you know, didn't have an option. And so he went and grabbed them, them and their ki their kids, uh, and would have them build. They were building the steps uh, up to this to, to his to his to this castle or whatever, 
And if if the if the dad died, they would just take the kid and put him in his place. And it's like this is going to get until this is completely done. You know, your debt still exists. Whoa. Jesus Christ. Brutal dude. Brutal times. That's the guy that Mary Shelley bit. No, that Mary Shelley was Frankenstein. Mary uh, Shelley was Frankenstein, but, but they. What's the fuck's his name? He wrote. Uh, Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. Yeah, he yeah, kind of yeah. based it a lot of uh, it. Some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also like the Strigoi, which is a undead right. creature in, in Romania. Yeah. Which is actually a really pretty funny Romanian movie called Strigoi, which is like a, it's a comedy horror thing. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the name they use in that uh, TV show, too. Uh, the Strain. Oh really? Yeah. Sturgoy. Yeah, they use that that term a lot. Huh. Yeah. Have you seen that movie, that show? No, I I don't have cable or anything like that. I I in fact, <laughs> since uh, I moved out, I haven't uh, into my own place. I hadn't had time to really set up my TV and all that kind of shit. So, so. you're just living like a wild person. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. You got email though, right? I have email. Mm-hmm. I have internet. I have my laptop. So I, I'm, I'm. Do you watch Netflix like on the laptop? Still watch like documentaries or something? I don't. You don't? Because I'm, I'm, I'm always out and about. I just got back from Seattle. Uh, I was in Vegas uh, helping Travis and with my fighter Shohei. Uh, then I had to go to the fights for my guys Shohei and AJ. They both fought on that night and corner them. Um, shit, when I was. I went to Japan and pro wrestled in June, but I was also there again in March. Uh, so you're just a rambling man. Basically, after the dissolution of all that I had been putting all my efforts into for four years, uh, I think we got past that. I right, think we moved right. That. But this was this was I feel the, very therapeutic. Well, well, here's the thing: it's just you. like, all right, uh, no matter what, well, you know, I still have a lot of, anymore. Oh, well, we're not. We're not. Okay. We're just saying that <laughs> that you know, it's just like. Uh, moving into, you know, I had all these things that I was trying to accomplish. And so it's just like, all right, well, uh, since I'm not putting energies in these areas, then I'm going to take those, that energy and put it somewhere else. I'm right. going to make, make use of it. You That's know? good. Don't get so, depressed and sit around and get bummed out at life. No, well, take your own advice. There's lots of shit to get bummed out about. Not even be beyond even that thing that we're not talking about. It's Are you just still that, doing your podcast? <laughs> I wish. What happened? It, uh, I hate to say it, but Fox really dropped the ball big time on it. And the people that were working on the podcast uh, just completely shit the bed to the point of like I had uh, Renato and Scotty Epstein on and we're sitting there 15 minutes before we're going to go on just chatting, whatever. And then it's like, all right, guys, where we're going to go. We're going to film now. All right. One, three, two. All right. Boom, do our thing. Nobody even pays attention to look at the front of the footage and cut it from what's not supposed to be aired. And then they just throw it up there raw. So Rasan Hanato is being Rasan, and uh. we're all doing our stuff. And then I get this email, and Rasan's like, dude, what the fuck, dude? You know, I'm, I, I'm, I do a character. And the, I go, what are you talking about? And I go so look at it. So they didn't edit it at all. Didn't edit it. Oh, and there was stuff like... Uh, Hey, uh, I know you're going to be on vacation, but I'm going to do a on-location interview with this band, Godor. I'm going to get it all. I'll get all the MP. I'll just send it to you. Can, can someone edit it? Oh, I'm off on vacation. I can't help. What, there's fucking nobody there? There's zero. There's no one. So then I had to go and reach out to another friend and be like, hey, man, you have some time to fucking chop this up for me and just make a few edits? Yeah, 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 I can do that. And then you know, put that up. And then it was... 
Another thing like, okay, well, hey, guys, if I'm going to do this podcast, I want to have music in it. I want to have bands that I know and love and whatever. I want to play their yeah, music. You have, this... have rights for their music. That's a nightmare. Right. Well, so I said, do you have some legal forms that we can put together, some boilerplates that we can do and, and have this happen? Oh, we don't need that. You don't need that. It's, it's no big no. Okay. So I go and I get the management, the artist, everybody's on board. Who is this person that said that this is okay? This guy. This a young guy that worked there? there, there was, Did he not know anything? Was it, he like a tech guy? I, I'm not going to throw anybody's names out there, but there, but there, were these, there were these two dudes. There was one guy that was like, uh, he was like part of the head of the division or whatever. The whatever, landscape has changed. In their, and then in there was defense. another dude that was uh, a producer of sorts, who I got along with great, but when it came to getting it all done, obviously fucking it didn't work. But the guy that was above him was unable to take blame for anything. And... Uh, and own up to any like fuck ups, and so it wasn't like I was asking for much from him. I'm just like, well, tell me what we're dealing with here, so I can know how to appropriately, you know, act. And then you know, getting this this whole okay about music. So all right, so I go and I do all the legwork, get everybody to agree, have my guest on. We play some music to start it off. We play music, you know, while they're there, while he's there. And I'm being an asshole, moshing around the room, having fun, you're joking around. And then I watch the video of it, and it's like silence. The fuck? I look. I'm just stomping around a room to silence. What the hell's going on? Oh yeah, legal wouldn't clear the music. I'm like, well, why the fuck are we dealing with this now? When I asked you before we even did podcast one, the before we even did the first episode, why did we not get that out of the way? Because you told me we didn't need it. And it's just like shit like that. And so we're, we're we're now like, look, we're not even doing it for money right now. We're just doing it to to to, to establish a relationship, and. This Wait, is already going so fucking sour. Let me stop you. Why do you Why are you doing it with a person, like a, a network? Why do, Why know. do you doing it with Fox? Because they came to me. But you could do it on your own. They came to me. Listen, all you need is that phone right there and a fucking a microphone that plugs into it. It's like they have these things. Like here's, I use this one for a podcast that I did recently. It is not a, an endorsement. I'm just uh, for anybody who's uh, listening to this. It's not. It's simple. This microphone right here, no endorsement. I don't have to say the name of it, but okay, it's a blue, right? Okay. This microphone works on a cord that plugs directly into your phone. You yeah. set that bitch up like that. You stick this in, bang, stick that in your phone, press record. It's that simple. And I've done actual podcasts that millions of people listen to with this thing that sits in my hand. I close that bitch up like that, put it back in this little bag, stick it in my laptop, take it anywhere you go. It's it, it works on USB. Uh -huh. It takes no energy. It's super easy to do. And then you just have to upload that somewhere. And you could you could figure out how to edit simple stuff like that, audio sure. stuff. You're not talking about like making records. You're talking no, about editing no. a simple audio file. Right, you could figure out how to do that on your own. Well, and, and I, I hear you there. I also realized that uh, you know for me, doing a podcast meant it had to be, like the amount of effort I was going to put into it was going to be... Uh, equal to the kind of product I wanted. So I started... Yeah, but don't get confused about this. Right. No, I hear you there. Like, this is just... I hear you there. The, the effort is in your mind yeah. and in the, your, your thoughts and what you're trying to put out there. And that's... You're, you're really good at that is why I'm saying that. You don't need some network. You just need an account with, like, Libsyn or one of these podcast hosts. Mm. They upload it to iTunes. That's it. You're done. You know, people find out about it. They like it. They get addicted to it. They start downloading it more and more. You know, I mean, you're really good at this. So you, the, to get connected to something like Fox and have someone who's non-motivated. Sure. Well, they, they came and, to me and it sounded like, all right, well, we could probably monetize this in some way. And it, Was this during get, the Fighter and the Kid days? Uh, they, um, early. Early. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. See, they thought that they were doing something. 
and then now they've completely changed their tune. Ah. They've decided to, the only people that they're investing their time in now are people that they have exclusive relationships with. Their, their thoughts about the fighter and the kid were, and Brendan shared them with me, some article that they were talking about him in, where the fighter and the kid, they feel like rode on the Fox name and then became really popular and ah. then made it. It's a delusional perspective. Sure. I mean, they don't understand what happened. What happened is there's an entertaining show, and two guys are really good, and then another entertaining show like mine has them on, and then millions of people find out about it, and then right. they go on other entertaining shows, like whether it is uh, uh, fucking uh, Jason Ellis or whether it's whatever they're doing. Yeah. And then this buildup, the same thing that happened to... Tom Segura and Christina Pazitsky and Burt Kreischer and all these f popular podcasts. People find out about them and they're sure. good. It has nothing to do with Fox. Zero. It's all a, they did was host it. At the end of the day, I mean, Fox isn't the one creating the content. Fox exactly. isn't the one that has the ideas. Fox isn't the one cr cracking the jokes. Exactly. Or telling the stories. Or doesn't hurt. Up. Doesn't hurt being connected to of Fox. Of course not. It's definitely legitimate. Right. And but it, it sounded it's not what good. they think it is. And I even said stuff like, hey, I want to have whatever I want on this podcast. Uh, yeah. No problem. I go, no, no. I want to have whatever I want on this pod. I want to talk about anything. No problem. There's this no episode. Pussy farts with Josh Barnett. Pussy farts with Josh Barnett. If that's, uh, you know, where we want to go with it. But one of the things I said to him, I go, hey, I want to talk about the, the, the fucking insane Nazi occult division. I want to talk about all that crazy shit that they did. And I found this guy who's an expert. And we can talk about all the, the weird stuff. Occult and division? Yeah, they had an occult division. Who's they? The Nazis. Oh, okay. You said an extreme Nazi. No, no, cult. no, no. I said the the, the the extreme crazy shit of the Nazi occult division. How they would oh. go around trying to find the Spear of Destiny or okay. the Ark of the Covenant and oh, all yeah, these. Oh yeah, they did a things. lot of yeah, nutty shit like which, that. Right. I mean, that's why we have Raiders of the Lost Ark and all the really cool movies. Who'd you have on to talk <laughs> about that? I didn't because I go. I'm gonna bring this guy on to talk about this stuff, and they're like, "Can't have Nazis on." I go, "I don't, uh, no, no, I'm not. not I don't Nazi. want. I'm not talking about Nazis. I'm not. This isn't. He isn't a <sighs> you Nazi. Can't even I'm talk talking about, about history. Nazis? Like you couldn't have a history professor who maybe wrote a book on Hitler come on and talk about Nazis. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you don't need them. You don't exactly. Need them. Well, you don't this need was them. this was years ago, and yeah. so after that was like. All this stuff was, was, was adding up, and I'm like, fuck, man, this sucks. It's you not know? even their fault, man. They're stuck in this old way, and they think this old, which works for television shows. Their old way works great for television shows. They control the advertising. They but, secure the talent. I don't know they put how together much the show, was, they produce it. was Fox itself. I don't know if like the machine Fox was really paying that much attention. I think it was really just the main dude who was above, who was in charge of this shit, who was fucking it up and didn't want to put the effort in and didn't want yeah. to, you know, and it, it got who to the knows, point that the last, the, the last podcast I did, uh, they didn't even put the video portion up. It took them weeks to. It's just like, wow, okay, I guess. So you don't have any contract with them? None. I never Do did. Do it on your own. Uh, yeah, I could. I could still. People still hit 100%. me up and go, "Hey, we we like you. you know, we'd love it if you do a podcast again." I'm just like, ah, just do it. Just do it. Dude, you're really good at this. It's easy, easy for you. People are gonna get mad at me. They're like, "God damn it, Joe Rogan! You're always trying to get people to do podcasts." <laughs> I would listen to your podcast if you had a podcast. I'd listen to it. That's oh, all I'm saying, dude. Um, I I, uh, I have I have lots of things to talk about. You but do. I, I do like to talk to a, a, a broad variety of people. I love the fact that you're bringing on guys like in. Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris or. Uh, uh, God sod, you know, interesting guys to talk about interesting stuff. I'm and to trying hear different to balance ideas. it out even as much the fact as possible. Getting, getting uh, into scraps with Crowder over here, which I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, I like Crowder. I mean, I think I don't some know, of his I ideas just, are silly. I see him as like an aggregator or aggravator. 
just kind of like like Milo. Like Milo might say something interesting, but then he's he's couched all of this stuff and trying to like create shit with people because That's it, 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 part it, of how they get a lot of attention and popularity. Yeah. But I think he puts out funny stuff too, man. He he did some funny things where he. Uh, He's done a bunch of like funny sketches where he goes undercover as different people. He has this like uh, communist um, uh, French character that he goes undercover <laughs> as, and he's, no, 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 oh, Crowder, Crowder does. Oh. Crowder does a lot of funny shit. People like get mad at me for saying that he's funny. I think he's funny. I think he does some funny shit. He's uh, he's done some really hilarious social justice warrior things where he uh, he's showed up at like some. Well, he definitely dressed as a trans person for a while. Was trying to like push the boundaries of what like when can mm -hmm. you decide that you're transitioning how do you know whether or not someone has decided that they're transitioning or whether or not they're hoaxing you like who are you to say with that i'm not really trans like so he went to like one of those uh, all women's gyms and said that he was trans and then they let him in at first and then after a while they're like what the fuck you know <laughs> And they kicked him out. I don't think he was an all-woman's gym. In fact, I think he just went to a gym that said that they accept trans people. Sure. And then when he went in, he wanted to f a shower in the women's room. But he was like, you know, had like a fucking five o'clock shadow. Right. <laughs> so he the does, idea is like, is it the, it's the sincerity of it is, is almost what that comes down to. Like, well, you're not sincere about being okay. trans. So right, is but, that what it comes to? But he's pointing out yes. like how crazy these lines are. Right. And like, where are they? Whether or not you agree that people should be able to do whatever they, they want to, which I do. Me too. It, it, there is a real hysteria involved in this. And there's something very odd about these arbitrary lines where we decide we had a guy that we were uh, watching a videotape yesterday who yeah. identifies as a six-year-old girl. Oh, the German and, guy. No, he's, is he German? He's definitely foreign, right? They, it was all in subtitles. There, yeah, right? he had a wife yeah. and kids and yes. all that. And then he's like, I'm a six-year-old girl. Yes. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? But you have to include that. So then it's because, it, then it gets to, well, can you be transracial? Can you be like Rachel Dolezal? Is that okay? <laughs> right. Can you? I don't know. Why not? Look, everybody came from Africa originally. If you identify more with African-Americans than you do with, like, say, Polish-Americans, okay. why not? But the, I don't. Well, Ben Shapiro's argued that that's less preposterous than changing your gender, and that hmm. like, why can't you do that if you can change your gender? Like, why? What, ben where Shapiro, do you... he's an interesting one because I like how hardcore and how like straight to the point he brings great arguments. Very smart guy. But I can tell that he's that dude that just fucking he just he doesn't hardly get along probably with anyone. He's just got <laughs> he's decided well one of those one of those personalities is just not good at socializing in any way. Like he he's it's very rigid. It's <laughs> like yeah. But very yeah, smart. Yeah, he, he, he seems like a total little prick, but, yeah. but an all right dude in, in his own way, I guess. And you know what's funny is it's I, I always I'll talk to people about you know left leftism versus rightism. I'm like, well, you know, it's pretty easy most of the time to look at the right when they're being idiotic because mm -hmm. it's so preposterous, like you know theologically based arguments, or you know if you're going to, I mean that's really what it, it comes to stuff like that, or or, or like. Um, how they will take this whole stance of like no you just you get what you can get but if you fucking fuck up fuck you you know like the, these really extreme conservative arguments usually just are like well that's non-compassionate right yeah i know what you, you know mean. it's bold yeah. but then you go to the left and it's like everything is couched in this like oh no 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 no, no. we're we're good this is all for the good. Look at how nice we're being. You're like, well, you're just as fascist as this other guy, right. but you you couch it into a, under a different thing. You do things like use postmodernist 
philosophical arguments to then take the word racism and redefine it so that it works for your benefit and, and not that others. it only works against black people. Right. It doesn't work against white people. You can or say whatever you like want that. against white people. Yeah, people get weird with their arguments, and it ultimately becomes about control. Sure, right? of course, and it's Left creating power. Right. It's creating power yeah. for a person. Uh, to to affect that against someone else is in creating or it's also uh, creating moral high ground. Yeah. So you can feel as if that you're in the right to say this or that, and because you are supported by all these other people around you. Yeah, I try to balance. I'm trying to balance it out. I should say, but people get mad at me when I have too many right wing people on in a row. They start thinking. Like, I've been accused of being like Fox News. I'm like, come on, man. I have lefties on all the time. Sure. You're just not paying attention. Whether it's Julie Kedzie or Abby Martin or uh, what is it, Pete Holmes is a super super lefty. Judd Apatow is a super lefty. He was mm -hmm. on last week. I try to have as many lefties on as possible, but they don't get mad at that. They only get mad when I have like super righties on. When I have super righties on, then they're like, "Oh, your show's like Fox News." Like, well, culturally, you know, it's just like, well, we can this 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 argument we'll listen to, but not this one. Of it's course. Like, but at the end of the day, what what really sucks is that when it came to uh, you know, I was in such a, I had gotten so into uh, politics because of my living situation. I, as I'm looking at all this stuff, trying to understand the currents of what's going on, I'd find I'd have to go read like the most crazy leftist stuff. And then I'd have to go find some gnarly alt-right garbage and have to go there and read all these preposterous arguments, racist, shitty arguments on both sides, just ridiculous stuff to them. Because even amongst some crazy racist or some, some crazy, you know, communist, either way, there's going to be some truth there that they figure is useful to their argument that may be different from the other, right. but it still doesn't change it from being true. It's like, uh, uh, you can't. The truth doesn't doesn't change from place to place. You, you, you can't you can't change it anymore. And you can salt salt. Uh, said by Cormac McCarthy. Mm. And it's like, well, I have to now go outside of this because I can't find any one news source that's going to be completely honest with me. So then I have to look in all these places and then try to piece this whole story together based on what truth I can find. And honestly, it, it got to be so tiring. And reading just crazy shit on each side and having to, it's just like, well, some of this stuff is just so fucking fucked up. And it's not like I needed a trigger warning or something like that, but it's just, it just gets tiring. And it, it, it also think like people coming up with like um, racial IQ things, trying to create some, some idea there. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man, this is, people believe this. It's like trying to, to navigate flat earth shit and stuff like that and go, <laughs> come on. I, I, I hear it the first time I read it, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. You just don't get it. But then when I see that there's even some small amount of traction, it's just fucking disappointing. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Well, it's too easy to get by today. And there's a lot of dummies that have gotten by. That's right. That's you one know? of my arguments is that this is the softest, easiest fucking way of living we have ever had. Now, I understand there are difficulties, but our difficult, even our poor are still more wealthy than like the 90% of the world or something like that. It's, it's true. crazy. Yeah, if you make more than $34,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the world. Yeah. And yeah. we don't we don't see it that way. No. You know, we're too busy thinking about what we don't have or what we what we should have or what how we deserve more than this person or that person or how, you know, you know, if you want to argue about the difficulty it is to buy a home nowadays, I'm totally willing to listen. If you want to argue about the the shady aspects of banks, I'm there with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you just want to start trying to 
cut me down into some specific class and minimal uh, to, to minimize me and then devalue my opinion or, or who I am. It's just like, I'm not going to, I understand the, the biological potential for tribalism and the fear of the thing that is the unknown being maybe too much of a risk. So if you look at wild animals, they don't really get into fights all that much if they can help it because the risk of being injured, maimed or dead potentially is just too much. So most of the time they get into their little scraps and they, they disperse, right? And if you're a full-on alpha, you normally don't get into any fucking fights whatsoever. It's the betas always trying to like peck their way up and maybe eventually find an alpha that's that they might perceive having a weakness. But once they finally get to that point that they're going to really fucking full-on fight, it means everything because everything is at risk. Well, you know, you look at some cave people, it was probably the same way. The first time, you know, uh, one group sees uh, someone that looks completely different from them. They're like, oh, what the fuck is that? Can I risk it? Is it going to destroy my community? Is it going to be damaging to, you know, it's like caveman shit because they don't understand until somebody creates an understanding. So, uh, but it's very hard for people to accept other people's ideas. Of if course. Your ideas are different than their they're ideas. Scared. You want their ideas to align with yours. And in the case where we're talking about with a lot of these people, they're yeah. trying to enforce right. their ideas on other people. You it, will now obey and go along with right. my standards of behavior and thought it's insecurity and it's fear yeah and but to me i'm like okay i can understand that on that base element but we have the ability to overcome that to be greater than that to be better than that to not to not sit there and and value people on all these um surface level shit you know, I mean, you can you could stereotype things all you want and be like, oh, well, this looks like a duck and quacks like a duck and this looks like a goose and you know, honks like a whatever. Fine. But if you try to continue to keep people in these places, you're you're diminishing who they are. You're also you're creating this this element of prejudice. You're creating those barriers for for that to not for that interaction to not happen. You're the one that, that's helping create that that tribalistic element and so as you continue to whittle these people down to more and more groups but you know with the that now when you couch that in with this neo-marxist elements it's like well now you need the more tinier the group you get the more you get to be oppressed the more you're a victim of something and so yeah and there's you, a, you there's also a lot become, of, it's good market share in being a victim we got to get out of here man yeah. i got to end this josh barnett so what's the future right now, no fights scheduled. No fights. Still I have it to out. Uh, actually. I'm still dealing with my USADA stuff. Uh, we have, to my understanding, what my management saying is that USADA to uh, completely satisfied with understanding that uh, that the supplement that I took was tainted, and they even went out and after they tested the one that I gave them, they went out and bought a whole brand new bottle, unopened tested that one again laced with the same shit and they had already you know they had tested me not even that that much in between or they had tested me in between like or there was barely any time in between tests anyways so my manager's telling me that the guy at the lab is going well this is such a negligible amount that it looks like you've been that, that whatever you took was tainted in the first place so because there's no reason why a guy your size would even bother to have such a negligible amount of whatever this shit is in your system and i'm like Ugh. especially since to, to explain that between the last test and this test yes there's you would have it would be such a small amount right that there's no way that you were on something and you cycled off exactly okay it, it didn't make any so sense how long do they have you suspended till i don't know, you don't know. The, the thing is is that we've gone through i've spent like two grand having supplements tested because i would keep bits of everything that I would take just in case and keep uh, them around. 
And uh, Jesus Christ. Well, it's, it's you yeah. know, it, and I this was uh, a brand I'd taken before. This was uh, a supplement that had been an ingredient and other stuff that I've never had a problem with. You know, I always would check everything against that global drow thing. I would do all their steps about cross-reference this, that, and the other. Always okay. You know, making sure that I'm always on. Uh, towing or not towing the line but uh being up up front on this and doing what they said to and then you know all right so i got some some bullshit and something i didn't expect so all right we go we test it they go in a they they back their findings up with a completely brand new bottle and batch that matches the one that i still haven't acted on that and now i'm still waiting but i'm still suspended but i don't i don't understand you know what, what what more could i do right you know what i mean right all right, dude. Um, Josh L. Barnett on Twitter. And Instagram. And Instagram. Yeah. Thanks, brother. This was fun. I love being here. You're going to do another podcast. You're going to start at the War Machine Chronicles. <laughs> War Machine? Coming soon. I mean, War Machine. Did I say that? Oh. I didn't mean that. War I mean, Master. War Master. It's just War and M. They just flow together so well. Fucked up the end of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Call me War what Machine. A major bummer. War Master. Well, you've had a couple other nicknames, haven't you? Babyface Assassin. What was the other one? Philadelphia Jailbird. <laughs> Josh Barnett, ladies and gentlemen. War Machine. What a faux pas. That's fun.